0: What I didn't you Oh, I
1: charged this
2: part
3: up, but I didn't realize
4: I'd know I
0: not No, no,
2: Of the Chapel Hill City School Board of Education to <coughs> order. Uh, welcome everyone. Thanks for coming out. Well members, you have an agenda before you for approval. For agenda.
5: Thank All those in favor say aye. 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 Uh, any opposed? That's approved. It said to
2: zero. And then we have announcements. Any announcements? I heard the uh public school foundation approximately raised a little over uh, $4,000 with the race on Saturday. So that was really good. There are a lot of expenses with the race. Usually when it was combined with the walk, we used to lose money. And so now they're actually making some money. And um, the walk is scheduled for October 11th. uh, Next October. So people can start putting that on their calendars. Any other
6: nonsense?
2: Okay, next week have a personal agenda the agenda. Amanda, would you like to move the approval?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Second. And
2: you yeah. all in favor say aye. Aye opposed. Okay, that's good. That was also smelling. Um we have minutes from March 6th and March 20th. Second. All in favor
7: say
2: aye. Aye opposed all right, now wait, we um, come to our time for public comments, and I'll remind you that every speaker has three minutes. Andrew has his, is going to use his iPad as a timer for you, so that when you have two minutes, I think it, does it just count down? have It's got a little circle, it and makes, it's
5: makes <laughs> a visual representation.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, and so if you go over, we're going to say, please um, finish, he'll say, please finish up, because he can see it. And we'd like you to conclude your sentence please try not to mention students or faculty by name. Uh, I don't see any placards in the audience, so that's fine. And I want just to let you know that we frequently are often, we just don't, we don't um, respond directly to the comments that are made tonight, you know they may be part of a later agenda item, or, or later, later, or, but we're, we're hearing them and listening to them. Um, is there anyone here, I didn't see anybody signed up for their school improvement team, representing their school improvement team. Okay. Please come forward and tell us your name, and you can go first.
8: Hi. Good evening, everybody. My name is Ruth Pershing. I serve on the school improvement team of Culberth Middle School. I'm also the parent of students who have attended um, Glenwood, uh, Culberth, Smith, Chapel Hill High, East Chapel Hill High, and I'm a former employee with the Chapel Hill Schools at McDougal Middle at um, uh, Phillips And I currently work with gifted homeschoolers and with, um, especially with gifted students whose needs are not being currently met in their classroom setting and whose parents engage me to work with them. Um, I would like to speak just briefly about the gifted program um, that I have been, that the gifted education that my own children and other children that I've been involved with have received as a result of the gifted program being quite strong in the schools that they've attended. And the fact that um, on the chopping block potentially is the amount of services that students in elementary and middle school will receive. Um, I currently coach the Science Olympiad team for Colbert. We did really well. Yay! Um, we're heading to state to the state championship in number half. Um, and the thing that I'm very aware of is that the degree to which children are served by the current um, the gifted specialists in the middle and elementary schools um, is very much made possible by the current, um, the, the level of um, the, the full-time equivalents, or the staffing that we currently have. If we cut that by half in the middle schools, what I see those, those staff members doing is really keeping track of the, all of the paperwork that those students would need, when actually the, the enrichment that they would receive would really be very cut. The amount that those teachers can be in the classrooms serving students would, be, would really suffer um, both in the elementary and in the middle grades. And as a result, the student's um, level of involvement and engagement when they get to high school would be that much lower as well. So I'd like to strongly suggest and urge that we um, reconsider the possibility of those positions being up for being cut, though I understand, of course, everything is a a major balancing act. (coughs) I want to speak to one other small comment. Um, In our school improvement team meeting today, the student representative, whom I will not name, thank you for that reminder, um, said um, that she would like to invite all the board members to come and ride her bus. She said that the bus is unbelievably crowded, that there are three to a seat, and that she doesn't know where to put her French horn. She's going to send you a picture of what it looks like, and what she wanted to say was that, why is it like this? And her concern is that perhaps many, many um, ordinary students are suffering um, on the buses as a result of... The, the small programs that some of the programs that require transportation with very few students. So I'm just relaying that comment from her to you um, as, a, as a representative of the school improvement team at Colbert. Thank you so much for the work you do. Yeah, and I probably I didn't I probably were you
2: speaking had your SIT asked you to do that, or were you speaking personally, but you're a member of the SIT? It's
8: really both. We talked as a group today about whether or not I would represent the SIT and they all said yes, please do. Okay, Um, good. But I'm not in fact, um, we didn't create a group of comments for me to bring, but we did discuss what it was that I would represent. Thank you. That way we're
2: all clear. I was afraid I hadn't explained it well enough. (laughs) Um, anybody else here on behalf of their sit? How about from their teacher organizations? We can move to that
9: next. Here comes Mr. Hennessy. Okay. Good evening. Hi. Uh, to travel a little bit, so I missed you for a couple weeks here, and so this is a little overdue. Uh, on behalf of all the teachers who are members and non-members, our students and our parents, we would like to extend our thanks to all of you. Um, your, uh, your passing of that resolution was something that required uh, courage and we truly appreciate the fact and realize that sometimes doing that right thing just like us as teachers is taking that risk and step a little outside of the box but uh, we just want to express our appreciation and, uh, and, and thank you realizing that the excellence does come from the top down so for providing a great model for all of us we thank you all
10: Good evening, Diane Jackson,
6: President of Chapel Hill, Federation of Teachers. And I'd like to echo Chuck's um, statements and recognize the courage that you take
10: every day. As you look at this budget, I will ask that you stand steadfast with your employees and your parents and support the classroom
6: as the first priority. Thank you. Is there anyone here specifically
2: for their high school students' uh, school governance? And and I've spoken with a couple of fellows who I'm going to move to uh, citizen comments, but just looking at that, okay. So we will move to citizen comment, and I'm going to call on um, Jonathan White and Simon Eiley. Eiley, sorry, (laughs) it's a period.
9: (laughs) Hello, everyone.
4: I'm Jonathan White. Uh, my name is Simon Lee, and today we're representing core um, Channel reality in the next week that you went. Um, we are a group that stands to end the school division pipeline. We look to close the achievement gap, and we like, would like to put an end to disciplinary practices that are disproportionate in the district. We use individual personal experiences that, to motivate us to push against these injustices.
9: So I read on some of the things he said. Um, The school-to-prison pipeline is a systematic push of minority students out of the classroom and into the juvenile criminal justice system. The achievement gap is the gap between minority and majority students. And in our school system, disproportionate disciplinary practice are a reality. For instance, last year, African-American students made up 12% of the entire school population. However, they received 47% of the out-of-school suspensions. We work to change this reality. What we've done so far is we've met with our school equity teams um, with
4: solutions to change these disturbances. We have also we will also continue to network
9: um, to find reasonable solutions. Uh, some of the solutions we are coming up with is um, alternatives to OSS, out uh, school suspensions with such as Saturday school community service and um, student court and restorative justice. And we also want students, when they are disciplined, to know their rights and know how to appeal. We support this because um, we believe that OSS, which is suspension, should be
4: the last resort. We also believe that students should, be, should not be punished for off course infractions. We believe that no student should be suspended for truancy or insubordination. We require every, we would like for the district to consider requiring every teacher to train for every, sorry, district to require training for every teacher on every practice on how to deal with disciplinary actions. Uh, we ask the adoption of a school of a clear school mission to foster equitable, caring, safe, and supportive mind growth at school.
9: And your consideration of this school climate bill of rights will be appreciated. And thank you for your time.
2: You've spoken to us before, haven't you? We have. <laughs> I, that's right. I <laughs> okay. Next on our list, we have uh, Beth Long followed by Julia Long. Are they not here? Didn't make it? Okay. And there's always an opportunity, if you didn't sign up, that um, you can speak after everyone who is here speaks. So don't worry about that. Is Kim Airman here? Followed by Kara Acock.
11: Thank you. I'm going to be speaking towards uh gifted education and I'm going to be reading a passage from Leslie Morgan and then a passage from myself. Um, Leslie Morgan, like myself, has noticed that the quality of gifted education has significantly decreased over the past four or five years. This decline is most noticeable at the elementary school level. Five years ago, Rashkis had a system of regrouping, in the fourth grade, teachers effectively taught math to all levels of learners by regrouping students based on topic pre tests. This was effective for her AIG son, who later entered LEAP. At that time, he received meaningful and challenging instruction with similar peers. Other peers were grouped together to receive appropriate work for their level without being intimidated by students who knew the answer before they could even comprehend the question. This was an effective approach for students and teachers alike, but the approach was abandoned. Once Leslie's daughter entered the fourth grade, academic instruction changed drastically. Leslie advocated for more challenging work through teachers, principals, GESs, the district math specialists, and our superintendent. No changes were made. By the way, I was part of a lot of these discussions, and I can vouch for the effort put forth by both Leslie and the other Rashi's parents. In conclusion, Leslie has presented a few questions. When the GESs are eliminated, what is the plan for providing meaningful and challenging education to the top 30%? Has the district decided that our high-aptitude population no longer matters because that's what we're hearing and seeing? Is our district leadership so out of touch with the population as to think that we can continually cut away education at the elementary level and not significantly impact the quality of raw materials entering our high school over the next decade? These targeted AIG cuts will ultimately bring down our district's ACT and SAT scores as well as university placement. Will you be here to witness the result of your academic cleansing as our district embraces mediocrity? I'd like you to just take a moment and picture eight to nine high-ability students in one classroom. That's 35%. We have already demonstrated that high-aptitude students do not receive the services we need. We have stressed that high-ability students have legitimate needs that transcend demographics. We understand and agree that the Common Core does not address high-aptitude needs. We have voiced that reducing the already dysfunctional program is against our district's mission and our long-term goals. We have agreed that AIG services are justifiable and necessary. However, the new proposal does not reflect a mutual understanding. I hope with your actions you choose to support our distinctive community, eliminate the cuts, justify the need.
2: Kara
12: followed by Hi, I would like to thank you for your continued investment of time, energy and thought as we all struggle with the challenges and consequences of a potential budget cut. When we left from here last week, I was filled with hope that the administration had heard and understood the needs for at least maintaining the current staffing levels of gifted specialists. Upon reviewing the amended budget, I realized that my hopes were much too high. I'm left to conclude one thing. The administration simply does not recognize the legitimate needs of our identified AIG population and of the many unidentified students who benefit from the services of gifted specialists over the past few years the district has moved toward a model that relies almost exclusively on data gathered by all too frequently administered assessments this model which is expensive and inefficient stratifies the needs of students based on their ability to perform on a test those who are not performing at expected levels are subjected to more assessments at the cost of additional instruction. Those who do perform at or above levels, expected levels are often pushed aside. Every single student is hurt. Rather than creating the win-win scenario that Dr. Priscilla has referenced in past writings, we have created a lose-lose educational system. Faced with similar dynamics, families in other states have felt compelled to opt out of the EOG test how many high scores would need to be removed to lower the averages and convince the administration that AIG students deserve appropriate services. It certainly doesn't seem right that the district uses the same high scores that bolster its reputation to deny educational services to the very students who are earning those scores. While this approach seems extreme, I am wondering what options I have. Do I watch large numbers of children develop behavior problems or become disengaged? Do I just accept the administration's choice to reduce gifted services without offering any alternatives as to how the needs of AIG students will be met? These options are unacceptable to me. And so I turn to your suggestions for advocacy at the county and state level. While I will always find time to advocate for higher teacher salaries, I'm struggling to advocate at higher levels for general funding. Placing cuts to gifted education above other possibilities that would not affect classroom instruction sends a strong message that you do not value nor are you concerned with the needs of AIG students. I will need to see that you are committed to supporting the learning needs of every single student before I can in good faith shift my attention outside of the district. It is unacceptable to propose cuts that will significantly impact each school's ability to meet the educational needs of AIG students without proposing an alternative. Should you continue to neglect the needs of this population, we will feel compelled to take action in order to ensure that all of our students are offered an appropriate education.
2: Kat Wilson followed by Paul Miraz
12: close enough. Okay.
13: Good evening. I was going to introduce myself again, but I don't think I need to. I'm Pat. (laughs) I I spoke previously on behalf of another uh, GPAC parent. I come before you again because I am not only concerned but disheartened by what is happening regarding the budget cuts to AIG. Upon reading the amended cuts, I had no choice but to voice my opposition once again. When my family relocated to this area two years ago, we chose to live in Chapel Hill primarily because of its highly rated public schools. Now, we are afraid that the district may be moving in the wrong direction. What I have observed when it comes to school funding has quite frankly been, left me appalled. Because pulling up roots and leaving town is not an option for everyone, they will in turn be forced to seek other options for educating their children. I strongly believe in a village mentality and that adults are responsible for looking out for all children. If funding is stripped from the gifted program, some kids will slip through the cracks and be labeled disruptive and lacking focus. It is your responsibility to put aside politics and work for them. Several parents have given statistics about how harmful these cuts will be and how it will negatively affect our brightest. These are the kids who will grow up to discover cures for diseases, make scientific discoveries, fill our world with music and culture, and raise our standing around the world. Without these specialists trained in recognizing these minds and the strength that every child has, we will most likely have these same brilliant minds who will check out in class, or worse, drop out of school. At a time when we are faced with so many challenges locally, nationally, and worldwide, we should be nurturing our high-aptitude thinkers. In many ways, they represent our hope for a brighter future. Also, let me add that our district identifies these above the 95th percentile, when other districts range from 80 to 90 percent. My husband and I have two children who will, be, who will be affected by the cuts to the AIG program. While we foster a, po- a positive environment at home and do what we can to further their education, it's equally essential that they have the support they need at school too. I will not pretend to be able to replace that, what gifted specialists offer. And if you have any idea what goes into becoming a gifted specialist, then you know that filling that hole is a tall task. Other staff members trained with different, with a different degree and focus are not interchangeable. More to the point, specialist training is more extensive and requires a special license. These cuts will affect all of our children, not just the gifted children. And I think that they are uh, misguided and must be avoided at all costs. Thank you. Is my
14: handwriting that bad? Yeah. What is your last name? Right. Sister Perpetual. No. <laughs> All right, thank you, uh, thank you, everyone, for your time this evening. Uh, my name is Paul Mraz. I'm a father of three; two are uh, in Chapel Hill High School. What I'd like to speak to you tonight is about Policy 4325R. I think you've heard two gentlemen from the school come up and speak to you about this before. Um, I found it divine that here we are, as a parent and as teachers, speaking about this. Uh, t- parent and uh, students speaking about this. Two parts. I want to speak about in this: the scope non-school related. If you look at Part A, school related, there's definitions. Part B, there is no definition. When asked what is that definition, I was told anything that is not school related. So basically, 365 days a year, 24 by 7, anywhere in the United States, this policy applies. That's how I read that. What gives you the authority? Your school district. Do you have drones in your budget? I mean, that's what it's going to take. Second, afford the student due process. Let's read this, due process. i get my note here. Due process, here's the due process. Notify student and parent that the school is aware of the charge. Give student right to explain charge complete and sign discipline form. Give student option to have parent present. Present student report to police department for corroboration. We're talking a legal matter here. All of a sudden the student has to give his story to a vice principal who then corroborates with the police. You're interjecting yourself in a legal process between a citizen and the state and, and, and the legal process here. Again, what is your authority? It's not on the school premise. You are invoking your judgment before a judge. Who are you? Here's the result of such a process. It's an exile. You are exiling the students. You heard these two young men talk about inclusion, how to bring them into the school. Here's the result I heard. Son, you can't go to any games and cheer on your teammates. You can't participate. He's not participating in the sport. That's another incident with the administration that happened earlier. You can't go to a game to cheer on your schoolmates. You can't go to the prom. You cannot participate in a volunteer action for your earth sciences class at Chapel Hill School to study stormwater management. You are exiled. You are outside this community. That's the result. So when these gentlemen talk about inclusion and bringing in, you're doing the very opposite. You're reaching into the private lives. You're interjecting yourself between Paul Maggie Mraz and their son, saying, we got this, you don't. Who are you? Thank you. Thank you for your time.
2: Next we have Leilani. Something I should know how to say Shana. last name. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by Wanda Hunter.
15: Good evening. Um, I'm here to talk about the school discipline and climate bill of rights. Um, There have been um, several, um, over the past couple of years, several families that have come before us to talk about different uh, discipline, uh, disproportionate discipline, as well as the school of prison pipeline issues. And our bill. It's basically there so that we can ask you to put in place a policy that, a discipline policy that helps children understand what, the, what um, your, your expectations are, um, as well as we would like to put in place um, uh, the um, behavioral mentors restorative justice practices, conflict resolution, um, and an SRO memorandum. Uh, independent discipline audit, request for um, a discipline matrix um, to address um, also appeals to suspensions in place for students. Um, the, some of the uh, laws and, and policies and the levels of uh, the student code of conduct we felt were not um, were punitive, and so uh, certain policies like towards truancy um, had uh, a level four, which had the same penalty as hard drugs, uh, tobacco usage. Um, All of these different things we're appealing to you to have another look at and revamp all of these different, uh, I consider, mistakes. (laughs) Um, We ask that you uh, implement before any child is sent for any suspension, that you make sure that implementation and all, all avenues are exhausted before a child is sent into the school prison pipeline, that their MDR, their IEPs and PEPs are consistent and follow-through, um, that along with teacher training that you look into um, training teachers in restorative justice practices and conflict resolution. Um, In developing codes of conduct, thank you. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and and please look through all of those. We'll have a number of different people speaking. Um, okay. And thank you.
16: So I'm here also to speak about the Climate Bill of Rights. My name is Wanda Hunter, and I've lived in this school district for my entire adult life. My children attended Carborough, Glenwood, Eskies Hills, Phillips, and Chapel Hill High School, and I now have two grandchildren attending McDougal Elementary, where my daughter is the chair of the school improvement team. It would be fair to say that my entire family, my church, and several organizations I belong to all share a concern about continuing and persistent racial inequity in our schools. We know that a great deal of talent, money, and good intention have been invested in trying to make our schools more equitable, but we believe that too much focus has been on the perceived weaknesses of students of color and their families, and not enough on institutionalized policies and practices of the school system itself. Many have embraced the structural and historical analysis of institutional racism presented in the racial equity workshops that so many teachers and the staff have found invaluable in its clarity. One important element of this analysis is the need to recognize that all of us who've grown up in the United States, a country that was racialized from its inception, have implicit, unconscious racial bias that is informing our attitudes, actions, and decision-making all the time. This is true of police officers, judges, juries, doctors, bankers, employment, and rental officers. It's also true in our schools, where implicit bias is helping to drive decisions about discipline and achievement, including who is considered to need compensatory help and who is considered academically gifted. There's a growing body of evidence that documents implicit bias, here's a literature review, and the ways that it distorts perceptions of people of color in a negative direction while distorting perceptions of white people in a positive direction. Thus, data show that white men use or sell drugs at higher rates than men of color. It is the latter who are being targeted, arrested, and filling our prisons. The good news about implicit bias is that researchers agree it can be held in check and even unlearned. The first step in this process is making unconscious biases conscious, that is, recognizing that we all have it and developing steps to overcome it. In the past, many of us have been warned about the impact of negative stereotypes and that it's bad to hold them. But we understand now that denying our repressive negative biases only serves to amplify them and their consequences. So we can make harmful decisions related to people of color while truly believing that we don't see race because we think we shouldn't. But if we acknowledge that implicit bias is in all of us, we can begin to counteract this negative force. We'd like to recommend that all personnel in the school system, teachers, SROs, staff administrators participate in implicit bias training. There are short-term sessions, a day or less, that educate on the causes and consequences of implicit bias, and most importantly, on actions to take. Do not let our unconscious bias betray our best intentions. A short training on this topic could go a long way to helping achieve the good outcomes that we desire for all our children. Thank you. Thank you, Wanda. And Ann is next.
2: Mm-hmm. Hi. Um, thank you for your time tonight.
17: I did speak at the last uh, meeting as well about the uh, cuts to the Get to Ed program. And I just want to make some kind of follow up comments to uh, the new proposed cuts. And I understand they're not going to be implemented unless we don't get fully funded, but I think everybody feels that that's a good possibility. So um, I, I felt really good when I left here. I felt like that um, that people were willing to hear what the, what the teachers and what the parents had to say. And then I took a look at this new um, uh, Dr. Forsella's uh, cuts that he is considering if we do not get fully funded. And, and I started reading about uh, that you looked at the feedback from the district and the, the, um, the dialogue. And that most of the feedback said that um, they wanted to preserve teacher assistance and they wanted to preserve the gifted ed specialists. And that most of it also said that uh, they wanted to reduce Mandarin dual language, the lead media assistance, secondary level, um, class size minimum, secretarial and clerical positions, and summer school. So then when I look down a little bit farther, I see the first $820,000 in cuts. And the only thing on there that is, was anything that was mentioned is the gifted egg specialists. They're, they're making up 25% of the first round of cuts. Now, this is what, uh, what pretty much everybody who came to the focus dialogue said. I, you know, I've highlighted all the things that they've said, and I don't see any of that on there. And to make matters worse, um, the second cut, the 2 million, the 2.2 million cuts, I don't see much on there either, but I'll tell you the first thing I see is the rest of the gifted ed specialist cuts and the teaching assistants cut, and they make up fi- almost 50% of the cuts that would be made in the second round. So I just, I'm my question is, where's the here? Why why is there none of these things uh, listed on, on these as potential cuts? And I understand, I mean, you, you made the comment about uh, if, if the Mandarin language program is cut that we still have to have teachers. I don't see anything talking about phasing it out or, or anything. I mean some of these things can't be cut right away. Why are they being phased out? Why are we not talking at least about that? That's my question. Thank you for your time.
2: If anybody else from the public would like to speak, um, please
10: come forward and state your
14: name. Right back when I see you. <laughs>
10: My name is Michelle Laws, I'm a, well, Thank you. a proud member of the um, Chapel Hill Carborough NAACP, and I simply want to, um, one, just thank you all for your dedication to creating a school district that is just, equitable, and responsive to the needs of all children in this district, recognizing that we still operate a public school district, not a private school district and that we still have what I believe one of the best educational systems and programs in the country. And I know that there are data that support that. As a native, born and reared in Chapel Hill, proud graduate of Chapel Hill High as well as UNC, um, I am a product of this school district. Academic and intellectually gifted children have always been enrolled in this district and have coexisted well with the children who do not carry that label. And in the past, when faced with challenging bu- budget climates as you face now, they have fared just fine share- carrying their share of the budget cuts in order to make sure that our district continues to function at the level in which we are proud that it does. I take exception with the elitist thinking or viewpoint that to whom much is given, much is required, My faith tradition, in fact, guides me to the contrary. Those kids that are suffering in our district, that are lagging behind academically, is where I believe that your attention and many of our resources must be focused. At AIG Kids, I applaud them. I was one. However, we know, as Malcolm Gladwell pointed out and supported by empirical data, they come to school oftentimes already to exceed and to do uh, exceptionally well and to become the doctors and the lawyers and the scientists that our previous speaker mentioned. I also want to add, however, that those students who don't have the supports of parents, who don't have the resources that many of the AIG students have, they too, can become the doctors, the lawyers, and the scientists. Just ask the famous brain surgeon, Dr. Ben Carsons, who in his, during his matriculation through his K through 12 school system, was identified, in fact, as an, a, a child who needed special supports, who was not AIG, who needed, who was in, included among those who at the time were um, identified as um, those that were, we would consider as slightly, we don't use this term anymore, mentally retarded. I encourage you to read his book, Gifted Hands. We also know, and I sat through and listened to a um, speaker oh, who presented, I'm sorry, I'm who sorry okay who was a famous business leader who dropped out of school who didn't do well I support also your policies to make sure that kids stay in school and that we take more to pay more attention to making sure that we provide adequate supports to those who have the least thank you
2: Michelle I think you had signed
10: up
6: earlier yes, but you wearing my I apologize, I okay my spot on come on up. and anticipate the traffic on 15501. No but I want to thank you first for all of your service um, to our district and our family. Um, but I'd like to talk to you today as um, a parent who has been in the district for 10 years um, with children all through from kindergarten through high school. And um, I really want to talk about what I see sort of as a disinvestment in the gifted students and the programs. And when we first came, um, our experience was very positive. But I did have noticed, over the 10 years, a really a decrease in the services and um, the function that our family has experienced. And it it, it goes from an elementary school, when teachers would leave, it was very slow to hire and replace them. And there were many inconsistencies in the services. Um, And then in the middle school, you know, my, the gifted program, um, there's not a lot of differentiation. I know that that is the district's plan, is differentiation to meet a lot of, um, they're such a large population. But in reality, I feel like differentiation places so much of the burden on the classroom teachers. And we all know that they're extremely overworked and overstressed right now. And to cut Um, gifted services even more, I feel like would just be unfair to the classroom teacher. Um, So I want to sort of stress my support for continuing to support not only our gifted students, but our teachers who are classroom teachers and to help them meet the challenges of all of their students. Um, This district has such a good reputation and so much of it is because we do challenge so many of our students and I feel like if we continue to disinvest. That reputation is not sustainable. And um, we won't have that reputation. And I don't know if more people will send their children to private schools. But, um, but many come here for the public schools. And so I'd like to support our public schools. And um, I hope that you consider these comments in your sort of considerations um, when you think about disinvesting even further for our gifted students.
18: Julia? Hi, um, I'm Julia Long, I'm currently a student at East Chapel Hill High School, and as a student enrolled in multiple honors classes and previously being a part of the gifted programs in elementary and middle school, I was surprised to hear that the board was considering cutting gifted education specialists. Um, engaging in these programs, especially in early grades, really shaped my educational experience and set me on track to take advanced courses in high school. In elementary school, I was lucky enough to be enrolled in the gifted program at my school with many other students in my grade. Not only did this program challenge my foundational math and reading skills, but it allowed me to apply those skills in real world situations. I specifically remember a project I did in fifth grade where the gifted education specialist asked our class what we would do if we had $1 million. Over the course of several weeks, my classmates and I designed plans for ways that we could use our $1 million dollars to help the community by creating plans, researching supplies, and calculating and balancing our spending. I was always so invested and excited about the projects I did with my classmates in the gifted program and it really changed the way I approached school and learning in general. That it was possible for school to be engaging and interesting. And as a ten year old, it's a pretty serious revelation. (laughs) Um, Some may argue that uh, the same can be achieved in a normal classroom (laughs) setting. And while I agree that plenty of teachers in our district are capable of creating interesting projects that challenge their students, it is difficult for one teacher to do it all. Gifted education teachers are essential for students because they provide a one-on-one interaction that is difficult to have in the current education climate, with teacher-to-student ratios blowing out of proportion. Additionally, these gifted programs at elementary and middle school levels encourage students to continue to challenge themselves. and and take advanced courses in high school. I am sure that without a foundation like I had in elementary and middle school, I would not be taking all of the honors courses that I am taking today. Students should be able to access resources and programs that allow them to, to, to succeed at their highest. And gifted programs in elementary and middle schools do just that. If we want students in our district to continue to excel at high levels, we should be preserving these gifted programs rather than cutting them. Thank you for your time.
7: Anybody else would like to come forward? Come no, up. No. My name is Tom of uh, My children, Chapel Hill School. Um, they were gifted in many ways, but not in the ways being spoken about tonight. And I think that that may be the case for uh, many of the children who may be involved in suspensions, or other kinds of disciplinary activities, that they have gifts that have yet to be recognized. Um, When my kids were in school, uh, I was told that, even though they were struggling mightily, that uh, the school system here wasn't really geared for them. My kids were white. Um, That gave them a certain amount of privilege. Um, But still, it was recognized by the counselors. They didn't say it out loud, they whispered it. That is uh, the case for, for many of the students here. The other thing I do in my life is I work at the prison in Orange County. I've worked with 30 or 40 prisoners there. They have been part of the pipeline have been part of the pipeline. They have extraordinary gifts. They are gifted people. We need to demonstrate and find the resources and the will to ensure that we identify those students who need help and find them the kinds of help that they need. Uh, The recent book, um, New Jim Crow, expressed very poignantly that we can have systems in our country that are active that penalize people disproportionately uh, those of color without most citizens ever recognizing or taking the role to stop that uh, terrible pipeline. So I beg you please uh, address this issue. Uh, We can do better we have the resources in this community to do great things. And, uh, we should get about the work of uh, eliminating the gaps in terms of achievement, and in terms of discipline. Yes, I'm forwarding
2: this. Oh, oh, did we have a queue over here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I
19: didn't realize they had oh, yeah, them on so, good, so <laughs> well behaved here. <laughs> <door.
20: laughs>
19: Hi, I'm David Saucy. I'm a parent of two children at Glenwood Elementary School. Since the two thousand nine-two thousand ten school year, the district has absorbed over twenty million dollars in reductions from the state and over five million dollars in reductions from local sources. Despite these reductions, it has continued to deliver at a high level. students continue to get one of the best public educations available in this country that said i think that we cut as much as we can and the teachers and administrative staff of our schools and district offices have borne the brunt of these cuts so far in maintaining levels of the the levels that we have been able to maintain despite the budget cuts i do not think that it's right that we should ask more of them additional cuts to staff and services while we expect them to deliver the same high quality educations to our students to even more students in the next year i'd like to thank the board for taking the bold step of requesting sufficient funding from the county to cover the entire predicted budget shortfall for the 2014-2015 school year i understand that the orange county commissioners may gasp at the size of this request i have a similar response every year when i open up my own property tax bill that said, as taxes have changed mentally since 2009, I've gotten used to it and I appreciate the great value that I do get from my tax dollar, in, in this, especially in the school district. As a state legislature has assumed what can only be described as an adversarial stance towards public education in North Carolina, I do not see any help coming from that direction anytime soon. I think it's up to us to correct the budget by contributing more at the local level. Many people are going to respond to the Board's request negatively saying that our property taxes are too high already. There's no doubt that homeowners provide a greater proportion of local revenues than they should, but the fix for that is a long-term one and will not solve our budget problems right now. Beyond that, the additional taxes required to cover the budget shortfall will not be as burdensome as people think. Chapel Hill Data Book reports that the average home value in Chapel Hill is $371,000, increasing the tax rate sufficient to cover the shortfall will only increase taxes on that home by about $130 per year or about $11 per month. This increase is mitigated by the recent reductions in state income tax rates such that if the family residing in that average house in in Chapel Hill has a taxable income of $30,000, they'll actually have slightly more money in their pocket at the end of the year despite paying the increased property taxes. I think it's time for us to, to change the conversation from what to cut and what not to cut and look t- forward to, I'd like to see the board and the district work together to continue to lead the community in advocating for providing sufficient financial report- support to maintain the programs at at least current levels. Thank you.
21: Hi. Hello. My name is Ignacio Jumas. I was a candidate for the Board of Education. It's good to see some familiar faces here. (laughs) I also want to speak about the School Discipline and Climate Bill of Rights. I had like a prepared statement, but I feel like to really get to the gist of the issue, it's better just to talk informally about it. After working with the group from the grassroots and the community leaders, I found that the issue is really twofold. One set of issues has to do with how we treat discipline as a a punitive action, instead of bringing the students back into the school system, and this is leading to the whole school to prison pipeline issue. That in itself is one huge issue on how we treat discipline in our school district. The other issue, which I think really brings this, uh, the gravity of what's going on here, is the data that has come forward to disproportionate actions that come with discipline. And just to make it really simple, if you had a student who's Johnny and another student who's Billy. And they're on the playground and they get in a fight, two different incidents. If Johnny is Hispanic and Billy is white, Johnny is, more, is, is two to three times more likely to get suspended. Getting into the suspension system leads to this whole school-driven type line. Once you're in, once you've gotten this on your record, it's more likely it will happen again. And it's even more so if you're part of these groups. Uh, African Americans, Hispanics, or ethnic minorities. So, If you look at the data, the data has been brought forward by the state, and it was presented to us last year um, by by Mr. Fisella. Uh, This year we brought out the data, or the district brought the data that that explains how that is going according to our schools. And it showed that it's coming in line. We're currently really working on the data to see what we can pull out of it to show the gravity of the issue. Um, When you see this type of data, you realize how disproportionate it is. And I can't stress enough that if this was about anything else, how quickly action would be taken. But what's also more important is that the whole state realizes this and all districts are trying to take action. Considering that Chapel Hill is one of the most progressive, most public education centric districts in all of the state, I think we need to take the leadership role on this and do something immediately. And that's why in this bill we call for moratorium on suspension with exception to uh, North Carolina state statutes. And I think that at first, you may think that that's just too difficult to do. But if you really delve into it, no horrible thing is going to happen if we, if we uh, do a moratorium on suspension right now. And I hope that we take in consideration consideration that action in order to uh, end and equitable actions that are coming with discipline. Thank you.
1: Hello. Okay. <laughs> for the record, my name is Greg <laughs> great to be before my former esteemed colleagues once again. And I just wanted to uh, first uh, actually voice support for the approach you're taking uh, for the budget. Uh, the balanced approach you're taking uh, that minimizes direct impact on student instruction and uh, you to maintain that uh, and to specifically to maintain support for those resources that benefit the most, particularly resources such as teachers' assistance uh, that uh, that offer the, the most impact for the most students and particularly those who are fragile and, and struggling, which, I, which we all recognize as one of our priorities. And I'd also like to uh, recognize that the board and staff have previously voiced support for uh, improving student discipline uh, measures. And, would like to request that we follow up on some of the previous commitments that were made. Uh, I think on June 20th of 2013, there was a a meeting specifically that that included discipline uh, on the agenda. Um, And, at that meeting, uh, there was a fairly, uh, I think, broad consensus that a few measures should be taken. One of them being uh, to, develop very explicit guidelines with with the Chapel Hill and Carboreal Police uh, that would uh, restrict the discretion that was given to police such that minor infractions could no longer be uh, referred to the Justice Department. The criminal justice system. uh, He heard stories of how people were arrested and actually had criminal records because they stole candy or or took somebody's candy. So, he went to and so, there's too much discretion. I think there was agreement in that. But, I haven't seen any evidence that, as a, forgive me if, if, I just, if it had occurred, but just would, it just would encourage you to be sure that that discretion is taken away. Uh, that, um, that, you know, that, uh, that there's no, no longer uh, students referred to the criminal justice system for what typically are just um, things that should be handled within the school. Also, there was a commitment uh, on June 20th to publish quarterly data on student discipline at a, at a very transparent level so that we can maintain a track on what was going on. I haven't seen that, so hopefully that that's, that is still there. Uh, also note that many of these recommendations that are in the uh, report that this excellent task force put together are uh, aligned very highly with the reports produced by Secretary Arne Duncan and the Secretary for uh, by right, the Department of Education in January. Uh, so it's not just a capital issue, obviously, and I think you know, great minds all around the country are thinking alike, so I encourage, I know we have great minds here at the board, I can encourage mm-hmm. you to keep on uh, supporting the, the students of the district. Thank you. have
22: to be fair. Wouldn't work, and I wanted to bring copies of my report, and then just now um, it did work. So, um, you can email it to us later. I will, okay. Um, respected members of the board and superintendent Dr. Porcella, I'm here to speak to you as a concerned parent and as a child mental health professional to voice my opposition to the proposed cuts to gifted education program at Chapel Hill Harbor. My professional work. I serve children and very proudly um, serve children and adolescents with special needs to help them thrive socially, emotionally, and behaviorally. Today I'm here to advocate for a subgroup of children who are at risk because of their accelerated rate of learning, Pace of learning. Their intense and driven nature to learn and excel puts them at a disadvantage in our public school systems. In the last 20 years, rates of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, have tripled and are on the rise. There are currently more than six million children in the United States diagnosed with ADHD. Of these, many are in fact gifted and talented children. I'm going to use the term gifted, high ability, um, high um, achievers interchangeably. and. it's a very broad category. It is um, on a spectrum as many childhood um, and the, um, clinical diagnoses are um, who have and are being misdiagnosed. Although high ability children generally do well, they may show behaviors that mimic ADHD, a neurodevelopmental disorder characterized by executive dysfunction. They may present as hyperactive, because they may ask many questions and are so excited about learning, or they may be inattentive because the learning environment is not challenging enough to sustain their attention. What concerns me as a child psychologist is that many of these brightest and most creative minds are. Um, sorry, kind of lost my. Um, is that many of these brightest and most creative minds are not only going unrecognized. But they are also given diagnoses that indicate pathology. The appropriate intervention for these youngsters is appropriate educational intervention to provide needed stimulation, not medication. Without necessary interventions, these children are at risk for academic and social failure, despite superior potential. What alarms me as an advocate for children is the threat of a new diagnosis that is on the horizon. I'm sure you must have um, many of you must have read about it, sluggish cognitive tempo. This condition is to be characterized by lethargy, daydreaming, and slow mental processing. I'm sorry you're talking about it. by some researchers I just have a little bit more um, Or you get to just
2: finish your sentence on uh, Some researchers
22: <laughs> estimate it is presented yes. perhaps two million children. Yeah. I fear that because of the neglect of schools to purposefully engage I these high ability that. learners. <laughs> We will see a national epidemic with the rise of this new Ma'am, diagnosis among children. Ma'am,
2: I have to cut you off. If you could give Donna your name all as right. you
20: sit down. Thank you.
2: Hi, we I'm
20: all up a lot. You <laughs> <laughs> know this is going on for a while. But um, tell us your name, please. Um, my name is lin Yonda. I'm a doctoral student here at UNC in the public policy. I focus on education policy. I also attended Frank Porter graham Culberth, and Chapel Hill High. Um, and I love this school district. I love living here. Um, and I also want to talk about the school climate bill. Um, as a former teacher, I taught for two years in Eastern North Carolina. I'm sorry. Um, excuse me, you can, can I all step out and have like a discussion? can't hear the speaker. Okay. Thanks Wait a minute. we got to start the clock over. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. I won't, I won't even talk for very long. I just want to make the point that as a former teacher, um, I learned um, when I was teaching, I learned that there were many steps that I could take to keep me from sending the student out of the classroom. And that many times when teachers do send a student out of the classroom, they feel like their hands are tied, right? Um, and we want to work with the teachers um, in order to give them opportunities to learn how to better deal with behavior problems in their classroom, teachers and administrators as well. And I think that there's no need here to reinvent the wheel. The bill um, proposes a lot of useful programs that will help work with teachers um, in order to develop those skills to better deal with behavior issues in the classroom. And I just want to stress that this is something that can be done. Um, but there are many behaviors uh, that can be addressed in better ways uh, rather than sending a student out of the classroom. But teachers need to be helped um, and trained in ways to do this. And I experienced this myself as a teacher. So and anyway, thank you.
23: Hey everybody, I'm Palmer Smith. I'm the librarian or media coordinator at the Google Elementary. And uh, I'm here to advocate for uh, another position that's in kind of a tough spot due to the uh, upcoming budget cuts, And that's the media assistant. And I just want to highlight the importance of the media assistant, not just to uh, the library, but to the entire school. Because every child in the school works with the library assistant. And every child, rich or poor, regardless of classification, has their educational experience enriched by the library assistant. Now, the assistant is not just a person who helps out in the library. They are the sole staff member uh, maintaining constant access to the library. Now, the librarian's uh, responsibility is, of course, to teach research and information skills, skills that are hugely important in modern society. But if the library assistant position is cut, the li- uh, additional role of maintaining circulation falls only to the librarian. Thus, the decision for us becomes should we teach students, which is our uh, job as outlined by the DPI, or should we maintain open access to information, which is our ethical duty? Can you imagine sending your uh, kids down to the library only to have uh, nobody there to uh, check out a book to them? Uh, or help them find a help, help them uh, fill in an information need? Uh, there's a large amount of data supporting the importance of media centers, and the assistant is hugely important in maintaining the uh, uh, library. Having been a media assistant myself early in my career, and having a spectacular media assistant of my own now, I know that the uh, assistant is a unique and special role in the school. It is a role devoted purely to the good of the students and encouraging and facilitating their access to information and their love of literature. Thank
2: you. Would anybody else like to speak? Please come forward. Uh, okay. Alright. Um, okay. I I saw a little movement. Then I will close the uh, community comment. Thank you all for coming out. Madam
24: Chairman. Yes. Uh, I you to uh, allow me a minute to ask one of the speakers a point of
17: clarification.
24: Yes, I will. Party policy. Okay. Well, you sent us an email. Thank you. Thank you. Can you, you say your last name too?
22: Okay. I'll
24: have to. I'll have to hear that a couple of times. I'm just French. Um, so, uh, you sent us an email which was the executive summary of a larger document, is that correct?
25: Yes. I
11: emailed it to all school board members. Yeah.
24: So I got that. Um, but some of the comments seem to reference the larger document that I, which came yesterday. Okay. From Dawn,
11: uh, right?
2: I'll have to find that. Don? No. Yeah. Could you send that James to me? It? me again? I sent it to both. I sent the summary
24: and the same email. Document. No, second, second day. Okay. I might have, uh, if you could send that to me again, I didn't see it. Sure. All oh, right.
3: Good. Thank okay, so sure. You got it? We got it. I we going, got yeah, it. I have it. It's just on this,
2: I couldn't download it. It's just too big. All right. I, I maybe I should but I'll let the public know. It's very helpful if we have more than one, to, you know, more than twenty-four hours notice to read materials and emails. And some we at least have forty-eight hours, but um, there were probably sixteen emails today I just I have work full time. I can't read them before the meeting. I will read them. I will read all of them. But um, if, if people, when you're thinking and you're trying to get in touch with us, um, it's a nice just work session, so it's, it's not a, a vote. Um, so that's okay, but try and give us a little more time to. Um, okay, board members, we now have a consent agenda
3: before us. I move consent agenda.
16: Second. Any discussion?
2: All on favor say aye. 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 Any, uh, all on favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay is approved seven to zero. And, now, we come to work
26: session with the budget. At the last at our meeting of last week, um, the board reviewed the budget that was presented, um, and moved to bring the budget forward to the county commissioners, um, without making the um, reductions that, that were by the administration. Um, But, we were asked to then, to create a what-if list, and what that would look like. And, um, so, what you have in front of you, are two different. One is uh, the short list, that if a reduction is in the 800 dollars to $1 million range, if that were to occur for the County Commissioners, um, what our best thinking was, after conferring a second time uh, with principals, and what their feelings are, are regarding what the priorities were. It's important to note that um, much of this, uh, anytime we, we look at making a reduction, um, we do check with our building principals. It's only a week, but that's why we did hold up sending it to you, because we wanted to get feedback from the principals, and to make sure they were in support of what the recommendations were. Um, so, that was done. Um, and conversations were held with several staff members of the affected areas, and trying to get get some feedback. When we got to the second list, obviously, it's very difficult. As you know, uh, 80% of our our, our budget is in people. Um, We tried to pare down where we could in other areas, um, but there just isn't that much there. Uh, There is a reduction in one of our uh, long-range plan strategies um, that will impact um, some of our program evaluation, but felt that um, if it does get to that level of reduction, that we could put things like that off for a year. Um, Other areas, such as North Carolina Virtual Public Schools, um, we're taking a very close look at all of our class sizes at our upper levels, so that we hold true to board policy um, of not running classes that um, do not have at least 15 students um, enrolled. Um, So, We'll answer any questions. Um, Mr. LaFriese, Dr. LaFriese, um, will um, assist with Dr. Harvey with any questions you might have about any of the suggestions, which may or may not come to fruition. Dr. So, can I just add a couple of sure. comments, just for
1: information
27: for the Board and for the public that's here. Other, uh, we attach some additional resources for uh, the Board, as well as the public, just to, to have uh, accessible this evening in conjunction with the budget. Uh, one of them um, was the list of local reductions that we've made. And those um, uh, are the reductions that we've made since the Great Recession. So all of those are uh, categorized um, in three categories. Central office area, uh, support for school, direct support for student classes and students, and <coughs> other types of supports for the schools. I took a further step in those last two categories, and I um, summarized them by level. And so you can see at the very bottom, uh, you can see what the impact has been on, at the elementary level, at the middle level, and at the high school level. Some of the feedback that we've gotten was that we've been elementary heavy uh, over the past couple of years. And I hope you can see that we've tried to um, not focus on any one level when we've had to make these unfortunate reductions, but rather they're, uh, they're spread across the levels. And in reality, the secondary <laughs> level has uh, had a greater reduction uh, than the level in uh, the elementary school levels. I also um, wanted to point out that our allotment formulas are attached. And so these are our primary allotments that go out to our schools both in terms of personnel uh, and non-personnel. Um, and so um, we had we received some comments that there, um, what positions are out there, it's not clear to the public. And um, so we wanted to make sure that people had um, access and it was readily available. We publish these every year. They're part of our budget book. Um, but in terms of other um, um, other items, you can you can basically go to that list and see the different types of positions that we allot to the school, and any change from that is going to change how a school operates. And it's going to if we had to make a reduction in any of those items, uh, is it's not something that's desirable. I'd also point out our non-personnel uh, allocations, and I want you, one thing I want you to, 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 to notice is that many of those say the same uh, allocation level since two thousand nine ten, and I point that out because we made reductions in 2009-10. So all of those non-personnel items on that list were reduced that year. And so we've been holding the line after we made reductions. So those are um, reductions that we made back then. Costs are increasing in our supply areas. We are continuing to get um, uh, cost increases across the board and now that the economy's recovered. And so those are um, those have been cut uh, and so those have remained in place uh, at that point in time. Um, and so, I just felt that it was important that the Board had access to those resources. The public was aware that they're there. Uh, and just in terms of backup information for the discussion tonight.
3: Was uh-huh. Madam Chair, um, in addition, in terms of directing <coughs> the feedback, uh, Dr. Purcell, in the abstract you gave us, there were certain points that mm-hmm. you wanted some clarification. Mm-hmm. So, it might be helpful to make sure those are underscored for us. So, do you, um, you? Yeah, want to do them? No, no. Oh, I, okay, I'm okay. fine with you doing yep. one, Or, Dr. Purcell, okay. whoever...
2: Okay. Well, we discussed these, um, one of the here's some of the key elements. When we finish tonight, we need to know how we're going to frame this and (coughs) present this to the county commissioners, uh, particularly at our joint board's meeting. We want to ask, when we're talking about class making at 15, does that include uh, the Mandarin Chinese class at the secondary level? But you know, we moved from um, McDougal Middle to Phillips this school year, and we need to discuss. Uh, well, we don't necessarily have to discuss, but we need, probably need some feedback about if, about the service learning position and if it moves to the secretaries, um, and then if we have to reduce the secretarial positions, will we eliminate the service learning uh, graduation requirement to twenty five hours? Are there and finally, are there any items on the list? that should not be considered. And, and, are there any on the list that you just are very vehement um, They should not be on the list? Both ways. Okay. Alright. Which one do you want to tackle first?
3: One more point of clarification. Mm-hmm. Is the list, uh, do we, um, do you want or do we need any comment in terms of the ordering of these lists? The ranking? They're, they're not,
26: they're it's the, list or not the, the first list of that is, is what we saw as things that were Brown. Could you I speak mean, up? The second, oh, list right. is, the second list is not kind of pregnant. Okay, so that, that helps. And the, the second thing. list is
2: cumulative because I was misreading it in the beginning. Like, it is don't add up. Okay. You know, the numbers don't work, but it's cumulative. All right. Okay. Well, why don't we let's, let's take, you want to take one
3: first? No, can okay. I just make a general statement? You should Um, I, I just, one thing I want to clarify. Uh, so, so uh, a couple of speakers uh, indicated that they have the superintendent cut AG or was against AG or was negative or whatever. And I just, I think, I just I just want to make this real clear that if you're angry about that, please be focused on the people who make the decisions. The superintendent came back this week with exactly what we asked him to do with more options. And so, um, it's just super important not only to continue to be aggregated with the General Assembly that put us in this position, but also we own this we did it. We made the recommendation. The superintendent followed our recommendation. So, I just think that's really important to remember. Sorry.
2: I'm not allowed to say amen, but okay. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this is very serious. Anytime we have to um, make cuts, anytime we have to reduce uh, positions, um, it's, it is quite serious. So, I think perhaps one of the, I think maybe one of the easier questions tonight to discuss, we can start off with the, the issue, if the Mandarin Chinese does not make in the middle school classes, are we going to apply the if there are 15 that we're not going to offer it? And why don't we tell me yes or no, and we just go around the table. Yes.
3: Yes. Yes. Repeat the question. Please. If
2: Mandarin Chinese, uh, oh, I guess let me give you some, how many people are enrolled in um, this year, say, in the sixth grade, with the members? I eight. 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 students. Um, it has been a low number across the years.
24: So, is it a yes that we will apply it? We
2: will apply the rule, and it would if, if there are fifteen students, we will not teach it.
24: It's, it's been, uh, how many years have children been spilling out of the elementary
2: over oh, or five. Because they're graduating this well, year.
0: There was a there was tenth graders who told
24: me today they were in the first class. So. <coughs> oh I thought they were
2: graduating. Yes. They might be a year behind the Spanish. Okay.
24: So, so it's not just a start up period. This is a well right. developed mm-hmm. program by now. So,
25: yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have another question. How many years has it been below fifteen? Every year? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would support a point.
2: Yeah. Oh and sorry, I already got the mic, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> oh so okay. Yeah. Um I I uh, I think that's when we have to I was very hopeful that when we moved moved the location, because you know, we do a little sort of in the wrong direction, that we would see a significant increase and we didn't. And I think people are voting with their feet. Uh, feet as well. feet. Okay, so that one we can go check. Should
3: yes. Ms. Burroughs was saying something under her breath and just wanted to make sure she know. had a chance. Oh, just the if particular. there was a way that you know, they combine you know, there may be a multi-level thing they could do. because we ought to do with more language. But, assuming they can't get the school
4: schedule.
2: And, if we continue the program that's it's there, you know, if, when there are two classes, then maybe one year it will make. And, that's it. And, if there are two. We have direction on that one. Okay.
0: That, yes. Sorry. That's a little hotter because it's not a straight sign up, right? I mean, there's a sort of a transfer involved, right? I mean, not all those kids are zoned Phillips. That's
2: right.
0: Right, so but it's
2: not a transfer. They automatically can enroll. How does the enrollment? Yeah, that's, that uh, uh, that that's, that's like, what, what I'm, I'm asking.
0: How do we know?
27: We have them
2: enrolled for
27: it. We have not so enrolled, enrolled at the school, so in essence, uh, they're um, assigned to that assigned to that school. Oh, okay. So it's it's an automatic. They they actually opt out of it. Um, well, no. Uh, initially, I'm, and, well, I'm sorry. Um, there is a um, sign up letter at the okay. end of fifth grade where we uh, check to see uh, if they're going to participate in, in the middle school level, and then once they uh, if they sign on and say yes, then uh, they're assigned. Uh, in this case, this year it was uh, Phillips, so they were assigned. To
2: Okay, and I need, I guess we also need to make sure. And would this apply to seventh and rising seventh and rising eighth graders as well? And I would presume that the board would say you may stay at the middle school you've been attending, whether you're districted there or not, because we generally do that and grant always grandfather the eighth graders if they wish. Um, but we'll have to revisit yeah, will there be transportation or not? But it's a small enough number we can, and, and the two the schools are close enough that's probably. But am I seeing everyone's okay? Everyone's agreeing on that too. Okay, six through eighth grade, rising. Um, I believe uh, I need to con- that at the high school level is considered a just a foreign language elective. Okay, all right. Because that that was a distinction even um, in the spring that our world language coordinator was saying, really, it's not a dual language program, even at secondary or middle school, because there's just the foreign language. There isn't like a social studies class that's taught in it as well. Alright. Now, when you look um, at your at the list, the 800 and some thousand, the 2.3, I have one other question is, are there any items that really should not be on this list? Is there anything you would question or differ on?
5: Yeah, I just, I <clears throat> I'm sort of restating what we've already said here. I want to make it clear. Uh, last week, we came into this meeting, and I thought the, the cut to, to gifted services was too large. Um, and, I, um, when I hear uh, citizens make the argument that, you know, there are students who have a profound need for gifted services, I hear that argument. I have a son who came at an appeal away from being sent to a self-contained classroom. Um, because he was so in, in desperate and get the services, so I think they're important. But uh, you know, we're not it, it, along the same lines of why we went to the county commissioners and said we want the full funding is because there's no fat in this budget. There are no pet projects. There are no teacher raises um, except the ones that we had proposed to match the um, the governor's proposal, which looks dead on arrival at this point. So, along those same lines, the budget had no fat these cuts have no fat either. We're not making these cuts because we want to get rid of these programs, because we have other priorities that we're sliding our our, our money toward. We're making them because we have to. Um, And so, I I understand from the perspective of a a supporter of gifted services that they wanted to see no cut. Um, I suppose from from my perspective, it's easy to say, you should be happy that you saw it reduce, but that's that's our reality. Um, I'm happy that we made the changes to uh, this first round of cuts. So I'm, I'm comfortable with this. With this list.
24: Mike, um, I have a question about the uh, significance of the class size minimums at the secondary level. Is is that still fifteen, which was already planned, or is this no, it was by true. board, by board policies. Okay. So, so this, which is I thought good. we
0: said wasn't done.
24: No. Say that again. we well, it in <laughs> the vote.
26: It was by vote. It was by vote, so there mm-hmm. was a, you have to have fifteen in the class to the class. To that's what we're following. Right. And so this we feel that,
24: that um, we can do a better job with that. Okay, so, we, so this change would have happened
26: anyways if the board continued with that. So it's, it's something we should be doing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Andrew has his
2: hand up again. No, I thought you did. Okay, and then I think I
25: see yours. I do. Okay. Uh, but just a follow up to Mike's question because I'm not sure that I'm clear on this either. Um, this 214. Is it based on a projection looking at current enrollment classes? And you anticipate that there are some that maybe are on the line now, they will not make, and... Correct.
27: They will be eliminated. Correct. It? So, we've looked, um, we've looked at what current enrollment levels are in um, many of the electives. And so, um, and the other thing that's happened is our uh, Executive Director of Human Resources has conversations with our high school principals, uh, to start uh, narrowing in, in terms of what the student class uh, student uh, sign-up requests were versus what um, what would be available and what would um, what would make and so uh, it's a process that we're doing and it's based on two things what we see this year as well as what students are signing up for uh, through their guidance counselor. I do have a few other questions
25: Just, on this
27: point. Is that uh,
2: right point?
25: On the, I'm sorry? It's another issue. My next question. Okay, okay
2: so we'll let James go on this point. That's, okay, and I'll come back to
0: you. So, when we talked about this last year,
7: mm-hmm.
0: we were talking particularly a lot about first level of languages. Mm-hmm. And, and, I guess, a higher level to make sure that they would make 15 in the future, the years two and three. That. We're, we're still looking at that.
2: What do you mean? By, you mean you're okay, still Okay, that's fine. It that's fine. No, no, we're still applying the level, a
0: higher level for first year. Oh, okay. My question is, are we, when we say we're it's forcing this more strictly, for classes that are level 3 next year, does that mean we're applying 15? Because those would have been 15 two years ago, right? Before we started applying 20. I
27: follow but, um, So, it's very difficult to for us to be able to do yeah, an absolutely. absolute, finite rule. Because, we have to look at a variety of things. We have to look at um, the number of students that are, are, have signed up and requested it for their first choice, as well as their second choice. We also have to be thoughtful in terms of staffing. And, um, whether or not we're talking, trying to hire just A single period, versus something that we yeah. can staff with point .8 and um, cover, uh, or have a staff member travel between two buildings. So, then we get into a situation where do we try to have a staff member travel between three buildings? Or, at that point, do we not run a a section at a third school? So, I'm hesitant to give, you know, that there's this absolute line in the sand that that's what it's going to be. it, it's, it's an administrative process, working with HR, working with the principal, looking at what the students have signed up for, and doing our very best job to provide as many options for students, and being respectful to staff positions. And so, that's the process that we're, we're undertaking.
0: Fair enough. I just, it, it seemed like two years ago, before we, we made this change last year, there was some, I don't want to say bias, there was some extra consideration given to third year in particular, like complete, the language, sequence a, complete the sequence, admission requirements. As opposed to pushing those to VPS.
27: And I, I think. And, and I guess the question is are we still. And that's still, that still happens. And, and again, it's going to be a case by case basis. It might happen that those two, uh, there might be a level three and a level four that are combined. Right, combined. And mm-hmm. so when we can do those things, we will. And we sure. also look at total. Total student load that the teacher has. So maybe one period of the class will run with 13, but then another class period that teacher has 30 students in the class. So it starts to balance out. So a variety of strategies. And then I'm God bless you. To you. <laughs> <laughs>
25: okay. no go ahead. <laughs> I think I got that one. Um, I just need some clarity. We received an email earlier with the, some corrected information about student enrollment.
2: Right. Ms. Pittman's here. Ruby, do you want to come up and share that with everyone
25: so everyone knows? So, and I know that we submitted the, the budget this week to the county, so were those corrected numbers? Okay. Yes. I had to make a correction on the projection.
28: I had a formula error, which I detected when I was trying to balance the documents. We, everybody has to speak up to go to the county, so instead of 119 projected enrollment students, growth for next year we have ninety-seven because I had to go back and compare the state's projected uh student enrollment for thirteen fourteen to the enrollment projection for fourteen fifteen. And I had picked up our number instead of the state's comparison for last year. Okay. So we have ninety-seven students and so as the email indicated it increased our budget request to the county by eighty thousand dollars, which was put into the request. So the total request was three million eight hundred sixty-eight thousand four hundred seventy-seven um, gone to the county. Okay, thank you.
2: Other questions for Ruby? While well, she's right here, whether it's on this issue or whatever budget issue. So,
25: Ananda,
3: you have one more. Well,
25: let go me, ahead. Let me find it. I'm trying ahead. to be techie.
3: Okay, I'll <laughs> let uh, let show. Quickly I, one of the questions I was going to ask is, can we? because we're going paperless, get a, a final copy of what you submitted. You will get this total electronically.
28: This is the budget book we delivered to the county. You will get your electronic copy. I have a PDF. I've already sent it Donna, okay. but I'm trying to get you a better quality. So, we'll get that, that, and then that'll
3: be posted on the website mm-hmm. so that the public can see that, too. Tomorrow. Awesome. Thank Thanks, for
25: These aren't questions for, um, for Ruby. Go ahead. But um,
4: I'm looking at the allotment formula for 13, 14. So,
25: you know, Todd, you there were some kind of historical data that you provided for us. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just for my better understanding. Um, one is with the department chair, there's um, no additional planning period, but there is a stipend and I wondered why for um, it says 0809
27: I didn't know if, if that's a year and it is, is a year and so what this, what is it referencing It just represents what that amount was uh, and a change that we must have made in that year and so it took away the planning period. right so um, that would have been a change that occurred and so this document has a little bit of history in it just okay. in terms of information okay. uh, Alrighty. from a historical perspective. And that would have been the change, or was there at that time
25: a reduction in the stipend as well? I don't Okay. Recall. But that's what that, that those numbers are referencing, right? Right. The year that so something happened. Some, something, okay. something changed. That's sure. The so the the yeah. box below it that talks about the academy leaders. Yes. Um, I was just curious um, why that? there's a distinction between the finance academy and the other thematic. Because it's the same amount, the stipend amount. Is I don't, I, don't an okay.
27: than, uh, I don't have an answer for that, other than, I don't have
25: an answer for that. righty. third question. I see um, a line item called small classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what that so is.
27: That so, that's an additional allotment uh, that is provided to the high schools uh, to provide smaller class sizes, uh, especially uh, at the um, um, in math as well as um, the standard level courses. Okay. And so, um, um, there was a desire at some point to, well, there's always a desire to lower class sizes, but uh, there was an intentional budget uh, allocation made for that purpose.
25: Okay. And that's
3: at the discretion of the principals. Correct. Okay. And it's to,
27: okay. Thank you.
3: Just to you down, clarify further, so that gets back to the original resolution when we talked about making sure that the standard classes were smaller and manageable so that the students that are in those classes, or kids that are in classes where they're needing additional resources, they're not overwhelmed in terms of... Correct. That's that's exactly the purpose of that. Thank you. One more Mm follow-up. So, you mentioned as
25: an example math, as that could be one of these two additional, or two, the small classes, But further up,
27: it already has a smaller ratio. There is a a special allocation for that. Okay. Thank
25: you. Okay. Who else has any questions, comments? I'll
2: go. Um, I I think the board needs to just, well, maybe maybe not. It's just me. Um, I remember when we went from a service learning coordinator at each high school to one and being concerned, and part of the compromise, we went from a graduation requirement of 50 50 hours to 25. Um, I've always opposed, I've never opposed service learning, I've always opposed service learning as we do it, but the Supreme Court says it's perfectly legal, Um, and so it was a compromise. I think it has been very well done, i made surprisingly so, that it's been well done, With one person, and um, I'm worried that if it goes to to, two secretaries, states three secretaries at three high schools, or four secretaries at four high schools, one being smaller. Even last week we had a you know we have that person has to interpret the rules. Uh, Does vacation Bible school count? No, it does not. And they have to defend those rules, and they have to. It was two weeks ago. You were covering for me.
9: and so, yeah,
2: <laughs> and I can see that it's better if it's this one person, and and we're not supposed to always say, oh, it's because that person's better. You know, it should be the position. So I'm kind of torn there too, but I I do think uh, if we, I would either keep it and keep that one person, or abolish it all and not even think about giving it out to four different secretaries to handle. Um, but. You're the superintendent, and so... No, and I guess I think, I think we
26: still have to look at mm-hmm. both of these as works in progress because mm-hmm. we don't know when yeah, the yeah. number, if there is going to be a number. So, I think it's yeah. good to have this dialogue, but okay. none of this, at this point, is, is cast in stone in any way. But your feedback is, is, is important. Well, does anybody else have any thoughts? Because if I'm just out
2: there, I, I'll just be quiet if I'm uh, out there on that one. So
3: I would want to divert the superintendent's analysis of the need and be mindful that if it's not going to work, you're not going to suggest we keep it. If the secretary is doing it, that you would abandon it if that ended up being a recommendation and get to the absolute grass okay. tax. Seeing some nodding heads, uh,
24: I would just agree with your comments that I think it actually has worked better at one coordinator as opposed to three coordinators. Um, and that you're right, that if uh, the coordinator has to go away for budgetary reasons, then the requirement probably also. Should no, and that's why we
26: put in that, right. if then we have to go that much further, and <laughs> secretarial duties are, they couldn't handle that, that right. so, so And that's one of those things we might, I don't think we, spent a, uh, we could spend some more time, time on. on. Right. Okay. And we're, okay. not, we're not prioritizing things no. here, but on the no. first list I agree
24: that I think that's good, at least one thing that is That's what's jumped out at me. Is, is
3: I think Annetta had another
2: thing
25: and then I can go with my questions. Okay. Sorry, (laughs) Annetta. It's okay. Um, When I looked at that, or when I looked at any of these things, um, my my first thought is always around purpose and intent. Um, And while you know, there there have been challenges in terms of implementation, but there was a purpose and intent to service learning for high school students. and mind you it was made into a requirement um but i think for the most part many students have gotten a lot out of it and um the 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 requirement of having of having to do it you know if, if done well really provides a wonderful learning opportunity and and some maturation for the students um as they go through this process um you know with that said i guess you know um the, the need to make these cuts certainly is, and the recommendation to do that should come from the from the superintendent. But I think we also have to consider um, what might be coming down the pipeline. At one point, the legislature was dictating that students be required to do some type of capstone project, um, and we kind of tussled with that service learning versus capstone, and 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 and. and for the most part, many of the, many of, much of the service learning for students does become some type of project, um, summative type of project. So, I think that's something that has to be considered if we are going to be mandated to do something. I don't know the status of it. Ken, have you heard anything about, um, it's probably the last thing they're thinking about right now. I have to. But, you know, we may, I mean, if it gets eliminated, we may have to revisit it because we will have to probably create some type of coordinating type of position if we if it comes back online that our seniors have to do a capstone project. So
13: unfortunately, so
25: at this
28: point, it's not on. It's
25: not on it's the not, radar. It's not on the radar. It's,
13: on. it's <laughs> so, alive so far. Who knows? <laughs> but
25: you know, you never know. Um, many of our neighboring you districts, you know do this and um, it's been um, I I see the value in it and kind of bringing it all together and, and having, having students demonstrate how they were able to pull it all together in the four years or at the end of the four years but it does have to be done well and provide some type of meaning for the student because it's really not about the little checks and what we get out of it you know as a teacher or 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 whomever, but it's what the student gets out of it at the end, Um, and the you know how we evaluate students is supposed to be based on nowadays how they can pull it all together. Um, So, and and that's part of the essence of what Common Core is: is really thinking through something and getting to an endpoint and seeing how it all comes together. So, if we eliminate that. Is there another way by which students are getting that experience in the classroom? Well,
2: they don't get it in the classroom now, uh, as far as service. Our are,
25: are, are teachers are there. But are there certain courses that, that provide more project-based learning? Yes.
2: Dr. Parvietz?
25: That's that's the essence yes, yes. of capstone, but service learning for us has not always been about capstone.
2: Oh no, it's right. never been. Has right. never been.
25: So, yeah, you know. No. We always talk about repurposing and, and maybe an opportunity to do it better, having had to modify or adapt to, you know, a challenging situation or a threat. This might be our opportunity to, you see what I'm saying? You want a capstone? No, you don't want that. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 if we eliminate service learning, yes. I need to see it still come together in the classroom somehow. You support the service I gotcha kids okay. still need to connect the dots gotcha now i thought okay. i know it's i know but for some students their service learning did do that <laughs> but for many i mean i know it, it has its flaws but at least there's some exposure is not that the reason why we're money. eliminated because it's not a good program okay it's money no no so, no this is all about money so i'm just right, suggesting, right, so right, i'm right. just yeah. suggesting that you keep your eye on whether that we have to revisit this, and also, if we're trying to make instruction better, include project-based learning Which is, and yes, connecting curriculum to that we the world that we in the classroom and outside of the right. classroom. Right. So, that we're
2: doing. Absolutely. That's what service so, learning so is service supposed we're doing. to be about. Yeah. Yeah. So, that we're doing. so we still got
25: to get it done. Yeah.
3: Yeah. From that, yes, I follow your angle now. Um, so first of all, I'd like to thank um, Dr. Pursella and his administrative team um, for really uh, taking a hard look at everything that we talked about and really having, I, I still applaud what you've done in such a short period of time. The ice storm set us all back in terms of trying to be able to meet all the deadlines. And I was really struck when I saw this, that not only did you, like what we asked is just sort of what options there were, but you also even reconsidered what you had already done in terms of administrative cuts that you could try to do to protect the classroom even further. Um, So I wanted to thank you for that. Because even that class size minimums at the secondary level to me, as we talked about already, I thought, oh, you know, that's already what we're doing. And so, and you found that that you can do that even better. Um, So that struck me. And by doing that, that's a huge amount of money. Because, again, we're at the point now where our budget cuts mean staff there's no way we can get anything else and staff is going to hurt the classroom. So losing them. So that was 214,000, which then gave you cushion to try to save some other staff positions. So I want to thank you very much. Um, and again, reiterate what um, Mia said, that this, this is on the, the, the board. This is not our superintendent's making decisions. It's using all the information he has and doing it as a professional that like he is to try to do the best he can with the limited resources we're going to have. You said that I have um, one, two questions. One was, we've mentioned this before, and I'm just trying to get reassurance for the audience that's here. but cutting the gifted specialist, one of the things that we had talked about centralizing the testing and that you're going to continue to work on that once you get your coordinator in place, which will be this, this coming month I know it's make, make that. So there are going to be changes moving forward in terms of how that's being addressed. Because we don't want to lose in particular the children who are getting under-identified, especially in the, the various groups and some of even the discipline issues that have come up. That's going to be what children that are unidentified. That we are revamping. We're looking at our program.
25: We hear parents who say that we're not meeting the needs of their students, and we're looking of, at. We do hear parents clearly who say that this the needs of their students are not being met. We're looking at our program overall, and we're looking at how we deliver our service. So it's not just about testing. We are looking at doing that differently. We've already made some changes this year where. We used to take six months for testing, and we've gotten that now down to one. Um, gifted specialists are working together across buildings, so we are looking at that. And our service delivery model will also be different. So we'll have an update for the community, certainly when we have our new gifted specialists. We certainly don't want to run her out of town, so we want to give her time
12: to take
3: in the issues that we have. But we. we we know we can do it differently, and we know we can do it better. So, yes, we will be doing that. And the other thing that the comment that you mentioned about the principals, I appreciate them having an opportunity to look at things because they've been through all these cuts with us and they know what's going to impact their schools the most. And so, having had the opportunity, given you even just a week with the time to have a chance to touch base with them, I really appreciate it. and it helps me support this all the more in terms of what you're recommending. The only other last question I had was the CTE, we talked about how that is, those are courses that get funding, and yet, we under enroll them. There was some comment or thought about maybe making a policy change, or something where kids were going to be required. I was just curious if that was a part of what you've all been talking about, or thinking about. That's a a real good question.
26: Some of the numbers are better, and better. I think, um, I was just at a meeting today, I know the State Board of Education is um, proposing a policy change, so that um, classes at the high school level, to reduce the, the weight for um, uh, honors and um, advanced placement classes. So, this, because our weight of six for an AP class was the highest country and really inflated our grade point averages, every other state in the country. So, to bring it down to five, instead of six, we're more in line with the rest of the country, where they are, um, and 4.5 of the honors class. I guess that, then, is less of an enticement, that maybe some of the the students are just overloading with with AP classes, will take a CTE class, will take a music class, some some of these other classes. Uh, I had a conversation, just so you know, too, with um, Senator she who is still um, working on um, the class rank issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a legislative issue as opposed to the GPA's policy issue. Mm-hmm. So that has to go through the legislature. But that's another, that is something else that I think will help entice kids maybe to take some other kinds of classes. Um, the other way to deal with that is. Whether that's going to be a requirement. And that's another whole conversation for another time, probably. Um, but that's a good point that you bring up, and that would be a way. We shouldn't be doing it for just financial reasons. We should be doing it. Is that the right thing to do um, for a student's education at the secondary level? Um, but there is a side benefit that there probably would be some financial savings because CTE is much.
3: Mostly we're not going to finalize our budget for a little while, so perhaps as you get more information thinking. from the state, mm-hmm. it's something that you administratively could consider as you're weaving through all this. It's not something usually you usually also um, with phase in a gra- change yeah. in a graduation yeah. And
26: even with the GPA, that's going to be phased in, so that's going to take a while.
3: And I'm not trying to distract the conversation. I mean, we yeah. need to stay focused on the budget. I didn't mean to open up a but long a discussion about something else, but it was just some it was a piece that had come up in these that's discussions, and um, then the last thing. For me the, the impact of, of doing things the way we did by asking to fully fund our budget and having you work on this kind of list helps the public realize but also our county commissioners that we really don't have a, any anything left and so this is the reality we are going to be impacting the classroom so
2: so shall tell me um because you're good at this and so how how should we ask how should we present this at the joint meeting
3: what are the words we should use you know well, it, I mean, if you can use whatever words, anybody, but the, the no. bottom line, the way I look at this is we're presenting our bare bones continuation, continuation, continuation budget. budget. They may take issue with that, and this is something I struggle with after we voted, is that perhaps we should have included just the level of cuts that administrative, administration can make without actually cutting staff. Mm-hmm. Mm, the first 500000 yeah, Well, on this list, yeah, when you're yeah, looking at your wise. proposed reductions, but I don't know if it's possible to do that and, you know, now that's it's already gone out. But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. being mindful of that mm-hmm. when we speak to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this was a continuation budget, a continuation and then a good, and what we realized that these are tough times, so we wanted to make sure that they, we can reflect how, how much this is a continuation budget, but that we're ready to, the next level of cuts have to impact the classroom. That way they'll see it, and that's where I, that's why I wanted the, the next tier, like Andrew had talked about, and I appreciate that you've done that work. So they, they can just see these, these two pieces, so they'll see what's coming. Okay. That's what Andrew said. There's no fatness right. in this thing. Right. And so this is any, and they can do the math then and see where we're going to go based on what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, what are you thinking? Um, well, <coughs> I have a
24: Okay, is go ahead. Yeah, we can okay. have Oh, yeah, I don't need a bathroom break,
7: I'm okay. It's very, very good. a lot of time. I'm sorry. Get the timer out. <laughs> um,
24: I think Mia started this story, and I just want to finish it. So, uh, what we're seeing here is an assault on public education. Right. Okay? Decimation. I, you know, I think I wasn't necessarily wanting to say that so frankly, but that is clearly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the, our response to this has to be as a community. Um, I'm very encouraged by many of the comments uh, from the public tonight, that they're thoughtful and measured. Um, And, the last thing that we should do is to start pointing at each other, or interfighting. We have to stay together. This has to be a community effort. And, the focus has to remain on on construction. I've heard very nice things about um, response to the to the comments about uh, making sure that children are engaged, and um, that we're trying to um, address uh, issues of discipline, um, and that has to be our focus, and to, to um, elevate the uh, urgency with which the mission of our school district exists. And I think that the whole community needs to, to get up to that. That also means that there's shared sacrifice. Nobody bears at all, but everybody has to bear a little bit. Uh, at least some. Depending on how much we want to um, tax ourselves to, to drive the school system. So, and that is just my little um, speech. Uh, we have to stay together. This is the public education school system. And if we don't stay together as a community, they win. Because it will fall apart. So, please um, uh, thank you to all those who are uh, contributing in that way.
23: That was an on excellent
24: one, speech. One, one little point, to, uh, point that Sean brought up: um, if, if we're talking about changing the weighting of the grades, can, is, can we just go to everything's weighted the same? put that in your ear to take to the State Board. Mm -hmm. Our our board,
2: not this board, prior boards are on record of supporting that, but the laws... It's it's
24: never made sense to me why there's waiting at all. Students should pick the class that's appropriate for them, um, rather than saying, uh, dangling this out here, take this class, because you're going to be given an extra start. Or, don't take this or class, so take it class, will sorry. hurt your GPA. Right, right. right. And, right. and, so, right. to me, if you're going to have that, I mean, I, you might not be able to sell that to everyone, but to me, you you don't have any weight.
26: No, and I think part of the problem, listening to other superintendents though, in other parts of the state, as you can well imagine, they're struggling with how to get kids to take an AP, or two, I struggle with how to have kids take other kinds of things besides 12, 13, or 14 AP classes. So I that statement's been made, and, and actually today, when um, Rebecca Garland spoke mm-hmm. to the superintendents, um, she said, What influenced the, the state board were the students from Chapel Hill who came to the state board and said, We want to lower the GPA, we want to give them a class rank. Coming from students who are taking were all mostly students from my student advisory group that came to me. I came to you, and this this whole thing about GPA and class rank is a student-generated initiative. It's the students who are looking for this. So that was very powerful to the state board, and she said, which really influenced them to take action. So, yeah. So maybe you could. Of course, the rest and of the students, students
24: today we're to so, so maybe the students would get on board with the lack of waiting. They might, uh, and maybe it could be local board decision about that
26: Right, and that's where we're going with. Remember, your resolution that you all took um, was to make class rank a local option. Right. Yeah, and then
24: and this is the last comment on that regard. So usually, I'm not in favor of, of requirements for graduation above and beyond what the state requires, but um, i I think
2: a CTE requirement might be a good idea for us, at least to think about. It. I remember. I, mean,
24: I guess I can go on
2: the chair. <laughs> 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 well, I, I remember. I remember when it was required. Yeah. A semester was required, and it, and this and the students would take keyboarding. They called it. It was keyboarding in middle school, and they called it something
11: else in high school.
2: A class they had already had just to get it done,
11: get it off. They
2: weren't interested, and granted, that was you know 2000, 2001, 2003, um, and we have at least at Chapel Hill High many more CTE classes that are very much more modern and done. And we have a couple of those at the other high schools, but they're not you know distributed as well. Um, so I I kind of be re- we'd have to make sure they can't game the system, no, and that it's about it meaningful. a meaningful, relevant CTE I'm class good, before mean. I go repeat myself. You know, repeat history all
24: over again. There's some really interesting. There's areas. some great so ones. So, the Project Lead the Way series. Yes, absolutely. Is just, I mean, Michelle it's and I amazing. were on this little workshop.
4: Mm-hmm. Now, I mean,
24: they're just amazing. Yeah. Which one was this one called? The, the Project Lead the Way is the yes. series. Yes. The series. I can't we, the, was new this year? It uh, started no. last yes. year. Yes. Okay. Um, Unbelievable. But, it's, it's uh, like disease detecting. And where's Chep- that offered now? Chapel Hill? Chapel Hill. No, East East has it too. East has it too. Not Carberry. Not
3: yet. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so we're digressing, <laughs> but that's problem, cool.
26: But okay. It's something we can look at.
3: All right. Uh um, Mia's turn. Give them fortunate. If I'm fortunate and I'm not here with you <laughs> when you make <laughs> critical decisions, remember that me I thought it was a really good idea to okay. add a CT requirement. Okay, I just get that. Out. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, so I'm just I'm in my I'm thinking, Shell, about this question of the the dollars that we're kind of cutting anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a 46,000 four hundred six thousand. Um, we'll have Ruby check. <laughs> yeah, I don't never. you know about my math. I do Do it on the fly. Um. There's part of me that says you could send in a denim going. By the way, I actually reduce that by four hundred six thousand, and then it's truly.
2: Well, we're presenting at the joint boards meeting. That's what I'm trying to get out of here. You know, yeah, or right, present that's true.
3: at the joint boards meeting. I, I don't know. I I I I'm, a, know. I I'm not sure whether it's just just models that even more, but um, okay. well, something to think about. I, I I take that as a something that we could consider. Sort of oh, sorry. No, No, no come on. Okay, the, have a in back and in forth here. the concept of. Can really, part of this was the what? We- honestly, Dr. Purcell and his team didn't have time to process the input. We value community input. Needed to check with the principals. We realized that you know, I mean, there are a lot of ways to explain it. We realized that tight Times we've done the best, and this is a little bit last bit of the tweaking, the best we could do. And whether you do it as a formal addendum to it or not, perhaps that's up to administration's discretion. We'd have to vote for it, but the best way to handle that we
5: we'll don't have a meeting between. Is called.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, I think we can we can decide right now. One of the issues is that, um, how would we present this to the Board of County Commissioners at our joint boards meeting? And so yeah, we can certainly. Yeah, sort of think, yeah, we had
26: a discussion with the board chairs. I think the approach that um, the $2.2 million, dollars, they're well aware that we did not have that. Um, board did their best to hold off on making that cut for for, for several years. So if we present it and there is no the expansion items are they can see that it's bare bones and that that there would be a lot of pain if we had to go further. But I think the fact that we're thinking about it and that we we, we do have some items, I think we have to share what those are and the kinds of cuts it would be and and mm-hmm this is what it is. This is the bare bones budget we had. And, if we have to go further, um, obviously, there's going to be significant pain. Um, and, see where that goes. As you all know, um, a lot depends on the Orange County Schools and their budget. I don't know where they are right now. You um, know, since the last time we met, there's been a lot of discussion at their level about what their budget is going to look like. And, that could change. So, I think it's an unknown. And, I just let's bring in, <laughs> we have, but as long as I, I think they need to know, it's important that we have done our due diligence and are looking at areas um, that could be reduced, that um, you're not unaware of right. the current economic situation. Okay,
17: James. I,
0: I would, so we were talking about 400,000, whatever it is. I would say we don't adjust our request, mm-hmm. because if we were to magically get the whole thing, we actually that so money we, right. really should go back into the no, right. to the to uh, fund balance, to because fund balance. Low, yeah, because low, we're below standard. Already. So we need any we need we need cuts regardless. So you would say,
3: keep in mind our low fund balance. Yeah, yeah. well, absolutely. The, I'll put that down. Yeah. it always needs to be part of the conversation. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Fund when you're having your the conversation with that, the request we're making still leaves us
28: with yes, okay. That note okay. Um, let me
2: see if I went down. We went down, we talked about how to present to the county commissioners. We talked about Mandarin, I brought up the service learning. Um, and then the you know, was there anything on this list, both lists of cuts that just uh, should not be there?
24: Uh, I'm not sure absolutely not be there, but I think on the second list, Mm -hmm. I would. this time, I'm favoring putting the teachers' assistants near the bottom of the list, meaning that they would be the last cut that we. Okay, right,
2: and we're not going to prioritize yeah, yet, but, but that's good to know. Okay, that's, yes. I have to have something Druthers. on
24: the list. I'm probably going to have that. There. Okay, gotcha. It's not in
0: order. <laughs> right, <not> in order. <laughs> right. to so the be there. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um,
2: Second. Second. I believe I heard that. The Mandarin elementary program also has, from its early existence, an allotment, and I wasn't looking for it in the allotments, an additional .5 TA, and I think that should be perhaps added to the list at the discretion of um, administration. That I, I mean, I don't think I'd ever really known that before, until the last few months. Should be considered. We had, we had discussed considered. and I
26: think we had intended to put that in. a
25: Sorry,
26: I need more clarity. There's an additional point 0.5. There's an. There's an. It was an additional.
27: So this predates me, but predates my, all my, of my us. understanding of, of um, the thought behind this was that there's an additional uh, teacher assistant allocated to the program, uh, half-time teacher assistant, specifically at the upper grades, and the intention was to provide time for the teachers with translation of materials. So what's the reality? What's happening in the classroom now at those upper grades? Uh, there is, this this year as has been the case in the past, there's an um, additional half FTE or half time TA that's provided uh, to the program.
25: And Do I'm you, suggesting
2: that maybe that should be eliminated.
25: Okay. Do you know if that's support in the morning or in the afternoon or
27: it's it, it, two classrooms? It's uh, so there. The way um, it's, a, it's a so basically, what ordinarily would happen, you get a half, the way the funding formula works for teacher assistants in elementary school is at the four or five level, the TA you have one TA for every two classes. So, um, the Mandarin program, right now, in grades four and five, only if there's one classroom in grade four, one classroom in grade five. So, according to formula, that program would get a half of FTE. however has been provided a full-time teacher, okay. a full-time okay. uh, teacher assistant. So there's been a, basically there's a full-time TA uh, that is um, between those two classes. In those two
0: classes, um, James. One other thing on CTE that uh, we have a little more control over is middle school. I mean, without you know big changes in terms of graduation requirements and phasing in. Um, I just would say we ought to be make sure that we let the principals know they should be filling those classes as much as possible. I mean, they they have a lot of control over how they assign kids to to, to perhaps maximize that as well. Okay. All
2: right. And then um, I think we have good no, good feedback good. on this part. Okay. Good. But there's one issue that came up. I wanted to just I think I could infer it, but I yes. want to be sure as we talk with county commissioners. Um, they had a list of 11 it was more than 11 but this was number 11 on the list of meaningful ways for equity with I don't know what it was called on their last agenda Um, and it was talking about if we were to increase the ad valorem property tax by one cent could we decrease the district tax by one cent and that would mean a $40,000 reduction net plus a little over $40,000 to Chapel and Harbor City Schools. An increase of a little over $600,000 to the Orange County Schools. And I would like to see some nodding heads, That, of course, if we're asking for our full budget, we don't think that this is the year to decrease the district tax. Um, if it was a year that they, you know, if, if, if all of our student needs and our financial needs were being met, um, taxes were increased 7 cents, and I'm not a proponent for that. Then we could talk perhaps about proportional or or less, not a one to one reduction um, in the district tax. But as that issue comes up, uh, I would just want to know that our board doesn't think this is the time to reduce the district tax, uh, even if they do increase the ad valorem tax. Media, and then Andrew, and then Mike. So, esteemed chair.
3: Yes, ma'am. Oh. <laughs> be a friend. <laughs> you <laughs> um, slap my wrist? <laughs> no, no, no. i not going to slap your wrist. I think what it's about is that the county commission needs to meet our needs. Oh, there we, we go. We want them to meet this budget. How they get there, to me, is less important. It'll be a lot more important to me later. But right now, the, the Oh, closed. yeah. We meet our needs. We're cool. Right. And so, if they want to, you know, I mean... And clearly, meeting our needs does not involve cutting us $40,000. Oh, right. So, um, okay, I, I just, I don't know. Okay, this issue is sort of, they, they have an equity thing in mind, and that may be a reasonable oh. thing to do, but clearly, they can't be cutting us more than, all, than, than beyond that. Okay. So, I, I'll go with the on board on this one, but I, I think it's a little bit of a red right. Okay, Andrew.
5: Yeah, when I when I read that report, just to give the public a little background, the, the oh, ma- you pulled it up. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, I don't have it in front of me. Um, but the county, I, I from memory, the county manager proposed to the board of county commissioners, uh, with the goal of reducing the gap between the county district and our district, increasing the ad valorem, the countywide sales tax by one cent, but reducing our special district tax by one cent. Not
1: sales property.
5: Property, sorry, property tax. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, I've got a couple issues with it. One of them is, you know, we've, this district supports our special property tax. It's been in place since 1909. Right. Uh, the county just had a public referendum a few years ago on whether or not to add a special district tax. They voted it down pretty overwhelmingly. So, having a goal of, of establishing equity between these two districts doesn't really match what the voters are asking for. Uh, number one. And number two, you know, if you've got an equity issue, if you've got one guy with two arms and one guy with one arm, it's not equitable just to cut off the one guy's arm and make it the same, right? So I don't, um, I don't think that that's, whatever the goal is, I don't think that's the right method. Okay, raise
28: Eric right. Okay, Eric.
24: Um So again, I agree with Mia. Uh, our job is to advocate for our needs, needs mm-hmm. whether they uh, provide that funding from ad valorem, from special district tax, from other revenue income immaterial to me, yeah. um, okay. you know, in a, in a narrow sense, I right. would say, there's some right. indications of where it comes from. And I think if they uh, want to lower the district tax, or even zero out the district tax, that's fine, as long as they provide the right funding. And I think the key here in this consideration should be mm-hmm. that they're trying to increase the funding for Orange County, yet reduce the district tax, that that be done in a revenue-neutral manner, mm-hmm. Um, Oh, yeah, that's
26: a good word. So I can Um, do the math for them if they need some help. (laughs) Um,
2: Not me Is that what you're saying? I'm not that
24: at all. So (laughs) so if you raise the ad valorem tax by one cent, you would lower the district tax by a little less than one cent, and that would then be revenue neutral for us and revenue revenue positive for Orange County. So
25: it's not difficult. okay <laughs> all right then. and then well um, I was actually going to um, share uh, what Andrew shared uh, in that Coming the county funds. did oppose yeah. the referendum they didn't want it and that would have been their opportunity to level the field if you will and um, get more funding um, I, I would not um, support us agreeing to this and I, I do want clarity as well and I, I didn't have a chance to look, look it up and mm-hmm. get to the policy or the ordinance but my understanding is that the commissioners cannot approve an increase in the special district tax unless we Ask for right. it. So, we we included in our resolution. Does yes. the ordinance provide authority for them to lower it without any time they want? Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So, this is within their authority to yes, do ma'am. so.
3: Okay. Yes. Alrighty. Yep. Shall you on board or you're okay? With so I don't so think there it's fair. There is. Is. Yeah. No? I would just say that yeah. since you're me that, yes. the revenue neutral. Concept is a great one to have in the back of your mind when this comes up, but not to like, no, no, right, 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 because right, uh, right now we need an increase. Right now we need an increase. We're
2: yes. asking yes. for an increase. Yes. So, the, the yes. one other
24: uh, caveat, yes. Which yes. I'm not sure I understood, um, but I guess I do understand now, is if the commissioners have a target of 48.1% for education, then it is somewhat of a zero sum game between the two districts. So the commissioners would have to realize, or at least um, change that target in some way, because uh, other, you can't fit both those um, outcomes in the same ones. So. Good point.
28: Peterson, yeah. It's yeah. always a floor, not a target. <laughs> and in fact, that's From that's
6: our right. point of view, it's <laughs> a floor, <and> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and,
3: and, and, in fact, Just that's yeah. been the case. It's always been higher than 38.1. Except for this year. Uh, well, it's been couple, going down. Uh, yeah,
24: last couple of years. It's been very close. It's been going down. It's closer to so it. started off, it was okay. All right. All right. We're
2: well. Up. Yeah, we are. James, do you can have one more thing to say? Yeah.
24: Um, I, I just want to
0: correct the record. Um, yes, I know I sent it to all of us via email after the last meeting, um, but we had, had some discussion about prior tax increases. Yes. It would never be more than a couple of pennies, and I just think for the record, we want to say, yes. you know, in 08, there was a 4.9 percent Technically, so it was pretty um. significant, and, and it's not unheard of. That one was that when more Cove open?
2: <coughs> I would bet it was. It was. I mean, that was in the Apple War
0: things. That wasn't. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, but I bet it was. I don't so know that it
2: was. All right, this is on work session. That means that anybody from the public can come forward and have three minutes um, to express an opinion only on the budget. <laughs> if you would like to speak, please come on up. Seeing
26: no one, we will now move to our next agenda item. um, Discussion and action. Facilities. right, I'll turn this portion of the agenda over to Dr. Rivers.
27: Okay, so uh, good evening again. So, uh, we're here regarding another financial need, which is that of our older school facilities. So, as the board knows, we've been um, engaged uh, in a study for the past two years, and we have gotten to the point where we finalized our uh, facility recommendations, and we shared those uh, with the board back in um, in March. And uh, this evening, we feel we're at the point where uh, we're recommending that the board adopt uh, the recommendations and approve uh, sending a request to the Orange County Commissioners uh, for uh, assistance in terms of funding these projects. At the March meeting, um, Bill Mullen uh, shared information with respect to the timing of projects. And um, as the board knows, we've been having conversations in collaboration uh, with the county, uh, uh, county commissioners and county staff. And uh, there's um, it's not clear in terms of when a bond referendum may be. And so, I think the information that uh, Bill had shared uh, uh, heightened Uh, heighten the urgency in terms of where we are and how long it takes to uh, design a school and get the school through the planning process. And depending on when that bond referendum might be, it may be too late for us in terms of being able to phase the project properly before we're in the same uh, in the mode that we've been familiar with, which is needing to build a new school. And so the other uh, item that we're uh, recommending that the board consider is a request uh, to the county commissioners for planning money Um, $750,000 in planning money to begin the process of designing a a project so that we're shovel ready um, when the bond referendum uh, or if and when the bond referendum uh, occurs. And then um, depending on where things are with student enrollment growth depending on where things are uh, with the the, the final decision regarding a bond and a potential bond referendum date we may need to come back and revisit that recommendation. We might need to um, request funding for a project sooner, uh, or in advance of the bond, uh, depending on what our district needs are. Again, uh, I, think, I think what folks recognize is that the intention behind this whole uh, recommendation is to delay new schools. And uh, we can only do that as if we begin creating capacity now, because the district's going to grow, uh, and, before you know it, we're going to be at a position where we're unable to phase projects. We're unable to move forward in some of these capacity building um, recommendations that are elementary schools specifically. Uh, and, it would, it would basically be too late. And so, those are the two key recommendations uh, that administration is bringing forward this evening. Um, uh, to the board. Board
25: members, questions? Amanda? Um, I, um, I do support um, doing as much prep work and planning as possible um, so that we are at a, a point of readiness. Um, and um, hopefully that allows us to um, get better at estimates more accurate estimates on construction costs mm-hmm. and things like that. If we can go ahead and um, do this prep work. The <clears throat> excuse me. The one question I had was um, around the, the amount that is in the resolution of $750,000. I didn't have the, the, the full uh, facilities assessment with me, but is this, um, because there's such variance in the construction estimates for the different projects, is this kind of a middle of the road um, average planning cost um, for some, for maybe the, the top projects, the so, Where did, how did you come to 750,000, I guess?
27: Is. So, we, we took a look at uh, the recommendations in um, at each of the locations and we started thinking about which ones would be able to create the most capacity. Um, and so, we, and, and we're, we're kind of looking, at, and I'll, I'll share the projects that, that we consider. So, we're considering um, uh, Ephesus Elementary School, uh, we're considering uh, Sewell Elementary School, and we're considering the Lincoln Center um, um, uh, project that we created preschool. preschool. And um, all of those projects are in the range of um, 14, 15 million dollars. And so the $750,000 uh, uh, planning um, request would provide the necessary uh, architectural services to get the project uh, to be ready for bidding. Can you repeat that? Uh, there were three. three. Um, uh, Ephesus, yes. uh, Sewell, and then uh, Lincoln Center with respect to converting it to a pre-K center. Okay.
25: okay. Very good. Um, let's see. Follow-up. Follow-up. Um, mm-hmm. The source of this amount, if the county should give it to us, is, an, is it an advance from the C-R-P. capital? From the CIP? Okay. C-R-P. Very good. Thank you. James.
0: So, does this, I mean, is this, when I mean, you talk about planning money, is this basically what the first year, what the first fiscal year would be for starting
27: the new facilities related to Northside? So, basically, the process uh, you, know, you start with uh, you start with the design team, yeah, and you yeah. work with uh, the community to actually bring forward a project to where it would be ready for hitting. and so it's. A little bit more than a year, oh, uh, but it's at least the first year. It's at least the first year, so
0: because I
2: mean, we own the land already, and right? Right.
0: Well, absolutely. But I, but I guess my, my question is you know, we're not going to be if, if we have to if we want to move on to the second phase, you know, construction phase. Put it out for bid. We we have the next CIP cycle next year to do that. We don't need to request anything more than
27: seven fifty to get through the next fiscal year. Correct. Seven hundred fifty thousand would get the project completely ready to be made. We would not need any additional money. Of course but we from, would, from a calendar perspective as correct. well,
0: it gets us through the fiscal year yes. and where we would And put we're it as a little CIP. bit
2: late with this uh, from a CIP perspective. From yes. a CIP county, but better a little late than delayed a year once we saw that slide. And, you know, I mean, and, and they, they haven't approved the start. CIP
0: yet. I mean, that's part of their right, budget right, cycle, right. so.
2: And since we had this meeting, we were like, let's bring it to the board so we can discuss it.
27: I would also say that we have shared with the county that mm-hmm. our CIP, they, that we gave them the heads up yes. that our CIP may need to change because we were oh, in okay. the process of finalizing these recommendations.
3: Oh, just on that topic and sort of, yeah. just another angle piece of this mm-hmm. is that we also, in good faith, were waiting for Orange County Schools to get oh, you know, you, what man. they need to do. And so... You know we're at the point now where we can't wait any longer. But I mean, I think reminding that that we've been collaborative,
2: and right, and we we absolutely want to remain collaborative with Orange County Schools on a bond issue, or or funding. What and what you know if it takes a different form, but a bond issue for older facilities. And in our last collaboration meeting a few weeks ago, um, they had had their 900 page architectural engineering report, and then said that it'll probably take until November before they can, uh, because they started later than mm-hmm. us, um, to have projects, and when we look at that slide of the timeline, it's like, and the, and the commissioner saying, well, oh, the bond might not be until 2016, it's like, you know, we, we still want to be very collaborative, but um, they, too, may want to request some starting monies have just to to them. Or I they have involved? emailed, I have, yeah. didn't but you make the connection. avoid that collision yes. course
26: between yes. The school. Yes. If we don't, so, they'll you're Going to have more mm-hmm. funding that's needed,
2: right? Right, right, It's a window of time, and that slide was just very powerful. And we did share that with uh at collaboration that entire um from our two meetings ago. We shared that with everybody there.
27: And this item, in terms of this request, I've also um spoken with the interim county manager and the county finance director, so they're also aware uh, that this is that this was going to be discussed tonight.
2: The,
0: the, the CIP is a ten year document. Does it make any sense to to go ahead and? I mean, they don't approve the year two money, but just to show them how it would look. I mean, even if we only did just one project, I assume that would push the need for a new elementary school out one year.
27: More or less, right? It um, it, could push the elementary school um, Almost off the, off the ten year
0: window. Well, well, just, 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 okay, but, but, but it would be it would be an <laughs> interesting you know projection to show right. to change the whole CIP, not just this year request. Yes. To to put the, the whole bill the whole construction cost in the second year and then push Oh, off scenario number the elementary two. If this
2: happens, here's our scenario. Of course, we can't approve that until it was funded.
0: But well, so they don't want to approve. The they, they don't approve years two and out anyway. Just True. Right. Yep.
3: True. True one more visual. So yeah, more it's visual. one more visual, mm-hmm.
0: that we've got a new school in there today. Mm-hmm. Right, a new elementary yeah. school yeah. is in the CIB. but mm-hmm. well, you're going to shift yeah, it yeah. a year or two, whatever. This right? is
2: what it's going to look like. Yeah. So, what can I see uh, people generally in favor of this. We have a res- resolution. Are there other questions?
0: Move the resolution. Second. Second. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Mm-hmm. It's approved.
2: Seven to zero. I've got to turn it my agenda. Okay, thank you very much, Tom. Thank, thank you. you. Was, and, and, Bill, I know you worked on this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, now we are ready for uh, sharing. I have some sharing. Remember that our joint board's meeting is April 29th, 7 o'clock, and it's up in Hillsboro at DSS. And, uh, Tuesday the 29th, <laughs> We will, you guys. We'll also be planning for our legislative breakfast May first, and um, of course, we'll be talking about budget and some of these other issues. But if you guys could, I've missed all of the last two yeah. sessions, so if you if you guys have ideas, things you want on the agenda, could you please email me? Copy, Tom. That's May first. May first. May first. Thursday, seven thirty. Because we got to develop that agenda pretty quickly. So okay. Do we know where the uh, board
24: of county commissioners presentation.
2: DSS. Hold on. I got it with me, I think. That's fine. Hold on. I got it. But, is there other sharing? Somebody can go.
0: I'm oh, looking it up here. Uh, Jim Zetta and I did mm-hmm. the local government um, oh, event yeah. at Chapel Hill High today. Uh, lots of great questions from our, our civic students there. And, uh, um, they, they're very engaged. They, they know what's going on in our schools. And, they uh, um, had a lot of really good uh, Good insight, and I, and I hope my, my favorite question um, was, uh, was about um, how do you most effectively engage us and, and advocate? And uh, um, so, uh, you know, I just, I, even our parents, even our adults, <laughs> I think mean, sometimes need to ask that question um, and, and, and be effective. And so I was really glad that, that they were asking those kind of questions.
2: Yeah, yeah, or I'll I'll, I'll put some of you on the spot Um, (laughs) and ask you one of the questions Uh they asked me. Um, Shell, what is your, what do you like best about being a um, school board member? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
3: I would refer them to all my campaigning that was so <laughs>
14: <laughs> oh, that was a question.
3: Do you like a
2: many? No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mike, what was your answer,
2: Be She got off the hook. <laughs> I
14: told you my answer. What, what was your answer? Okay, yeah, I,
2: I said, I said graduation. I
3: said, I'm oh, <laughs> oh,
2: But it's the best part when they actually walk across that stage. And you know, the teachers are all happy. The grandparents are there. The great-grandparents are in their wheelchairs. And we're just uh, And I'm so thankful to our faculty and our staff administrators for, for making that happen for so many of our kids this year. Calendar. May 15th is just a budget work session. The um, public hearing. There's one May 22nd. Up at DSS in Hillsboro at 7 o'clock. Repeat. May 22nd, DSS so, so
24: the building. 15th, uh, 15th we have a school
3: board
2: meeting. Yeah,
24: exactly.
2: yeah. yeah, do we? Yep. Okay. Well, that's just a budget work session. Sometimes we do send one of our members, we'll see what our agenda looks like and see whether we need to send somebody to be available for questions. I, or I maybe did that. sometimes I Ms. Did that last time. Yeah. Did, and Miss Pittman has gone before and we make sure we have at least somebody there. And then, May 29th, at Southern Human Services at seven o'clock is the other budget public hearing, and um, I'll, I'll share these dates out with us so that we can uh, try and get like maybe one of us at least sitting in the audience <coughs> on these uh, budget sessions, so we're available for questions too That's if, right. when we what don't is, have. What was the date of the one
24: at um, Southern Human Services? Twenty So o'clock. every
2: Thursday
24: night.
2: And then they go into June 5th, June 10th, June 12th. And June 12th is the big one. That's Even though they're going to approve it and vote on it June 17th they usually do the work work where they have that extra $500,000 and they're, they're figuring out the pros and cons. That's June 12th. That's And that's the Southern Human Services. That's when we want, kind of like, it's good to have several of us
3: there. Could I request that I can add those get put on our uh, Google calendars? All Oh, it's, uh, it's from our February yeah, okay. not our
0: meetings, but the, but
3: the, the joint board the I mean, and the board of Orange County Commissioner public hearing meetings and yes. that sort of stuff. That way,
2: it's easier for you to refer
3: to. That way, yeah. And know. if you get a moment where, hey, you know what, my evening's free, can I go? Yeah, right.
0: It, does the I'm on the 22nd recognitions, or is that not on the 22nd?
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: yeah, I just wanted to make sure. But it's, I'm sorry, it's I still... haven't
2: replied yet, but I will. <laughs> Any other share? I,
27: I had something. Um, and this has to do with the Safe Route to Schools Implementation Committee that the Town of uh, Carver, uh is uh, starting. And so, uh, part of um, part of the document that uh, the board had looked at a year or two ago um, uh, included the uh, one of the implementation plans was to create this committee. And so, uh, the committee, um, the details I have, will meet um, at least three times per year. And uh, it has the following mission. It shall recommend transportation projects, policies, programs, or activities to serve to increase the safety and convenience of walking and biking to school. The committee should provide guidance and support for implementing the recommendations of the adopted safe route to school's action plan and evaluating implementation progress. and so, in essence, the focus of this committee is on safe and uh, convenient walking and bicycling to the elementary, uh, elementary, middle, and high schools. Um, and so, they're seeking uh, a board member to uh, participate on this committee. So, I share it this evening if there's anyone who's interested. Um, Didn't you do meetings uh, they haven't scheduled that. Again, my conversation with the uh, transportation planner, Jeff Brubaker, he indicated that there would be about three a year. Um, but he hadn't determined when uh, when they would be
2: so maybe once we know when the first one is we can mm-hmm. canvas our group again to see who mm-hmm. might like to do that who's right. available to do share it I
25: we could share it if we have to we sure can uh, is it limited to a couple of years or is this going to be an ongoing oh good question. Um, kind of ad hoc committee
27: I think their, the I think their intention is to make uh, make this process ongoing to continue to focus on it um so i just wonder is it is it um one of those that should
25: be added to yeah sounds like it um, the, the uh, list regular list, list. it Perfect. sounds like so it we want to. but i didn't know if it was if it was time limited you know and it is town of carver yeah. okay
27: so once I get the additional, like once I get the
25: okay, additional,
27: you might be interested. In, is that what you said? No, she's oh, sharing. Oh man, she
2: <laughs> raised her hand. I was fast. <laughs> <back>. Very careful. I thought <laughs> <laughs> I had a volunteer. All
27: volunteers step forward. Okay, so so as soon as I get the that? additional details in terms of the days and times sort or of the proposed date and time, um, I'll share it out. Great.
6: Now you have some sharing. <laughs> well, I haven't heard
25: anyone mention it, but as a reminder. Students are in school. Yes. To school tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> so we're making up uh, an implement weather day. Um, so, and, you yep. I. Please, please send your child to school.
2: <laughs> Is you're not in
25: Australia. I have so much more commentary I could say about the whole tax situation, but I'll withhold. But it's so important that um, com- community stakeholders advocate for a more balanced um, tax base in this community in this county Um, the burden is deep for the residents um, but there there is a historical inclination to limit commercial um, commercialism or commercial Mm -hmm. whatever um, in this community and and i definitely understand the value in that Um, it has been so restrictive and such um, such a prohibitive um, ordinance process um, and there's so many different factors that have prohibited um, businesses from wanting to come to this county and we have suffered for many for decades based on a desire to maintain a certain vibe or flavor in this community and now um, it's we're feeling the effects of that but I think that there is a way for us to balance the tax base in this community but um, because we're losing out to our neighbors on many opportunities Um, you know the empty storefronts speak very loudly in this community so I would I would say to community stakeholders to um, uh, keep your ear to the ground and keep keep abreast of what's going on in terms of economic development in in our county Um, if you're interested to the level of getting involved on a committee or an advisory board um, or 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 simply being aware of what types of entities are trying to get their foot into the county and provide some type of valuable service you know to the people um, and look for the for a balanced approach um, that's environmentally sustainable and and that creates jobs um, and that way we can't really relieve some of this uh, tax burden that that currently residents um, experience. um, And hopefully not have to um, have this tough conversation every year um, when it comes to trying to continue to fund those schools. So that is one way. Um, We've certainly benefited. And I'm very thankful for the support that our commissioners provide. Um, But I I do know that um, there is, a lot more that we can do, and they are making some efforts, um, the municipalities as well as the county in terms of economic development, um, but there's a lot more to be done, and um, that, that's um, especially important to me, so I've made some efforts to try to, to learn more about that, um, and to help people to make that connection, um, schools are directly impacted, and they speak the loudest about how an economy thrives. So, um, but many people don't get that connection. So if you're slamming the door on, 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 on an economy thriving through business, local businesses, and regional businesses, then you're slamming the door on public schools as well. So, and people don't get that. And um, you've got to get involved and, and understand, you know, um, what services are available here and how revenues are generated. So.
2: I mean, should,
0: James, I'm sorry. Um, So, we had a significant amount of public comment tonight about the, the discipline issue. It's one of our long-term goals. And, I guess, my question is, where, where does that stand on our agenda?
26: For that coming back? If there'll be a bird um, through May and June. There are several strategies that will be presented. That is one of them. Um, we've made we are having a meeting, actually, tomorrow, with one of the committees that spoke today. Um, Dr. Trice and I, and Involved uh, too. We're having a meeting with that committee that's um, Melani spoke to. to right. So we're meeting with them tomorrow, on uh, sharing some of that data. Um, I think i mentioned before that you know, we have a shining star at McDougal Elementary, where um, the discipline data at McDougal Elementary is down to one to one. So that there is that the discipline referrals cannot be determined by race. It's The only one we have right now that has that that level, but. It kind it of tells us can't it can't Yeah, kept it can't be done. That's great.
3: Well, since you brought that up, one of the things that I was thinking about in terms of the public comment and whether or not we've done anything there is the up, the update. We got a retreat. So if you look back on our um, February board agenda item, it's the second day of the retreat. There are all the long range oh, plan updates. Yes. And there's one on um, 2.6. And so at least categorize, there's a chart there with the five things that have already happened that the superintendent's been working on it. So yeah. that might be another thing in terms of responding to people mm-hmm. at least direct them Thank to you. that so that, that that's, that, that's yeah. at least publicly available. Good. Uh-huh.
0: Um, so this is our last meeting for April. Uh, early voting starts uh, for the primary on uh, a week from today. Uh, and. Uh, Seymour
3: Center.
22: There's
0: five LLS. locations: Seymour Center, LL, um, and Carver County Hall. It's kind of in For
2: our general area and then some Hillsborough
0: sites. Um, yeah, some Hillsboro sites, um, and then uh, election day is May six. May 6th. right? Very good. Okay. Is there a motion to
2: adjourn? So moved. Okay. Okay. All members say hi. Hi, first. And thank you all.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.